Hello, today we have Dean, who was in the police for 26 years. Now that is a bloody life sentence. And I think the police have got one of the most adrenaline-fueled jobs out there. There's always loads of stories when we have an ex-police person on. Unfortunately, I lost my voice last night. It has come back a bit today. I'm hoping it's going to maintain but Wildman here is going to be co-interviewing, keeping the questions going if I lose it. And Dean said he's going to take the pressure off me and give big, long answers, so we hardly have to speak. <laughs> no pressure. Yes, for all you people say don't do anything, watch and learn. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dean, um, how old were you when you joined the police, and why did you join the police, and what, what did that involve? I was, uh, I was 19 uh, when I joined. And I joined by accident. Um, my uh, wife, a girlfriend at the time, my wife, um, was a nurse coming to the end of her probation and her training. And uh, at that stage, they didn't automatically get a job. Uh, they had to apply for a job, a bit like getting your degree <coughs> and then having to find a job. So she was coming to the end. Um, there was no jobs where she was. And uh, so she applied for a few different things, one of which was the police. I was applying. I had no interest in joining the police at that stage. Um, and I got this blank application form and I was applying for banks, building societies, things like that. Um, and I filled it out for experience and, uh, I went off to the first one. And at that stage there was a number of, um, rings to jump through to, in order to get there. So you had a, first of all, you got, um, a, a brief interview, then you had a, a, a day where you went down and they'd ask you to, uh, talk to you, you'd meet a friend interview them for a few minutes and then you'd have to give five minute speech on, on that friend. Um, and there was some guy who was, was talking about, about the fella next to him. And he was saying that this guy has, uh, he's always wanted uh, to be involved with horses and he likes uh, horses and that's where he wants to go. And the guy had not said anything about horses at all. And, and Cheshire at the time didn't have a horse division. Oh. So he was like giving him some bull about, about him wanting to join and, yeah. and get on the horses. It was nothing to do with him. But fortunately for me at 19, I could still remember back to, uh, to school and the talk I'd given at school in English was about sharks. I was, I was into sharks at the mm. time. So I gave this good spiel about sharks and that lasted a few minutes. And they must have thought I was quite good, and I even had a bit of Latin, Carcarian, Carcarius, or something like that, which was great white <laughs> shark or whatever, and that must have sounded all right for them. Um, and and I wasn't really bothered about joining the cops, so I wasn't stressed. I didn't, you know, it didn't bother you did me. Just for the experience, more just for the experience. Yeah. Um, and so I got through that stage, got through the next stage. Then we went to uh, to an outward bound activity weekend in uh, Aberdovey in Wales, and that involved things like climbing up and down uh, mountains and it was a 12 mile yomp um and uh, as a as a naive young chap um they, you'd try and win the race so it'd be like run down to the bottom so you'd run down to the bottom i was fit as anything yeah. back then so i could get to the bottom and it'd say right okay you got to the bottom press-ups so you'd do press-ups and you'd be waiting and then they'd say right you look a bit lonely lads he said uh he said tell you what back where we started Go behind that hut, there's a load of milk crates. He says, go and, go and get one of them for us. So we all ran up to the thing, get to, get the milk crates, bring them back. And this is quite a distance. Get to the bottom, first to finish or second to finish, you know, I'm getting to the bottom. And he says, right, press-ups. And I don't realise, because I'm thick, that 
every time you finish first, it doesn't matter. They still want to get you to your limit to see yeah. what your limit is. And the <coughs> fact that I was young and fit at 19 meant that I was finishing first or second or whatever, but I still had to be knackered. They've got to so, continue doing so it. They so they beast you, basically. Yeah. Some of the older fellas, 29, which was the age limit at the time, they were just strolling down, getting to the bottom. They were fine. So, so yeah, so I came back at the end of that. I, I was, we, we went up. We, they'd take you up in the middle of the night, wake you up at 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, you'd, you'd be blindfolded. They'd walk you around. Uh, what, what it turned out to be was like a perimeter of this, um, this hut that we were staying in. But you don't know that because you're blindfolded. And they they put you on the end of this um, this wire and they say, follow the wire, listen for your instructions. So you'd be like, you'd go in along and you, they know where you're going, but you, you haven't got a clue. And then they'd get to the end and they'd, they'd whisper in your ear and they'd say, jump. And you had to jump off this thing. And you, it's, do they trust you? Do you trust them? What do you do? And That'd you jump. Scary, that. You don't know why you're jumping or how high it, it, it was only a couple of photos or whatever and you'd jump down. Uh, they had you on they, they gave everyone a piece of this long rope so you grabbed hold of the rope and they, they marched you forward and then they started pulling back and some people turned around and marched backwards other people were holding on and walking backwards yeah. and just the way they look at you is to see what you like and they would uh, and they would shout you to the front and uh, you'd be on this march and, and you'd have to run at various stages and then you'd, you'd walk or they'd, they'd you'd run up to the front and they'd interview you and ask you questions all the <coughs> hypothetical what would you do if this happened what would you do if that happened and this uh, towards the end of this I, I've got real problems with my feet I've got blisters all over my feet and uh, I'm found that as I'm walking all the blisters are squidging and I can feel everything oh and it's really painful but when I actually ran the the pressure must have been equally distributed against the uh, blisters. So I found it less painful to run. So they then call me up again for another interview. <coughs> and as I run up, I'm finding that this is a lot easier if I'm running. So then they've got this idiot st- stood next to them or walking next to them, but I'm jogging on the, st- on the spot. It's like, come on, give me more, give me more, but I'm not, I'm just in pain. I had 13 blisters on my feet and, the, and my wow. heels were full blisters. Suppose if you're running two, your feet aren't on the ground as much yard, you know what I mean? Yeah, but it was just, it, I think it was just when you squidged them, it, yeah. it was really painful. But when they, they went down, it wasn't so bad. So it's nice when you pop them, though, doesn't it? Yeah, so I got to the end of, of that and I, I went home and, and I said, I think I think I might be in. <laughs> do, do I want to be in the police? <laughs> and I, I don't know whether I did, but... I then joined the police. You go off to uh, to Bruges. There was um, a combination of Cheshire and uh, at Chester. Uh, there was a training centre there, and then Bruges in Warrington. Um, there was thirteen weeks in all of training. Um, that was really quite good. What, um, can you describe what the training is. Then? Training is legal input. So there's a lot of law, um, physical training, a lot of physical training, um, self defence training, jujitsu. I think it was or aikido. I can't quite remember. Um, jacket wrestling, uh, swimming, life, you know, first aid, all that type of training. Um, marching in, the, in those days, great marching along. Uh, uh, what's jacket wrestling? Jacket wrestling was a type of, uh, it's a style of martial arts. It's, uh, it's, you've basically got the, the top of a judo suit. Yeah. 
Uh, and they can grab hold of it and, okay. and stuff. And and the guy. Um, so when when I joined, I, I used to do. I'd previously done judo and stuff, and I was only little. I was only sixty nine kilos, which is about I don't know eleven stone or something like that. Um, and uh, but I was pretty good at, at that at that stage. I only got to green belt, but I was I was all right compared to people who've not had any training. So at the very beginning, there was a guy in the, uh, I think he was in the Marines and uh, early morning parade. It was like, come on, you lot, get out. We thought he was an instructor. So we're like, getting all our kit on and getting the uniform on, um, run downstairs and everyone. And it turns out he was from the class upstairs. Nothing to do with us. <laughs> he wasn't an instructor. He was just getting his lads down. But that was that. So... We went into training with him and we ended up being paired up together. Now, he must have been size of you. He was, he was a wild man size, but he was a fit lad. He, was only, he could have only been 29 because there was an upper limit of, of 29 at that stage. Just ex-military, fit as a fiddle, and uh, I have to take him on. But he can't beat me because I can wriggle my way out. I, can't, I can get on top of him. And then he just basically press up me off. He was, yeah. he was able to get rid of me, but he couldn't pin me down, which was, which was really good. Now, when it came to the end of the training, we had a competition and into class, uh, the, the whole lot had a competition and uh, there was this jacket wrestling competition and, and he started the proceedings, the big heavyweights, and he grabs hold of this guy by his lapels, pulls him down, breaks his clavicle. Yeah. And that was the end of the competition. So <laughs> I never got a chance to beat anyone and, and, and that was that. But I want to beat him, not once he knew what he was doing. So was it in the training you saw... The bouncer get knocked out by the skinny. That was in the public order training later on. Um, all through our service, you had to do uh, self-defence and first aid training. Uh, once a year, you'd have four four days or so. Um, and then as I developed, I, I became a trainer uh, for the public order, the riot training, that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, the, you'd get shown videos of um, knife attacks uh, where someone had been seen... They reckon that I think, forgive me, it's a, a while back now, um, but you've you've only got like ten foot before that you can't. You've got to stay within uh, away from ten foot, otherwise you'll not be able to react to someone just pulling a knife on you, and because they can attack you quicker than you can react if you're not ready for it. And they've, they've shown lots of these uh, demonstrations where bobbies would walk up to a suspect, only pretend suspect, um, and they'd say, you know, what are you doing around this car? And they'd run at them, and they'd stab them, and they'd have they'd have like pens or whatever. So they'd show you where you've been slashed because they'd have a red pen mark on them. So if you like ten foot away, you can you, you can react. It's a reactionary gap, they call yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so do you know how to stop someone and get the knife off them? Um, yeah, use a chair. <laughs> 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 there, there is, um, yeah. It's it's uh, fortunately the, the bobbies today have got. Stab proof vests on, and they've yeah. got buttons, they've got cuffs, they've got gas, the CS gas. And, and they don't have to worry about guns, do they? And, really? and the taser. Yeah, generally, there's not many, but yeah. obviously, the, the people in London are, are suffering under the terrorism and what you can, the damage you can do with a machete and stuff like that. But that was a good a good thing, the, the last one where they used the, the, um, the ornamental horn or whatever to defend themselves. Having that distance was... We pinned him down with the horn. They eventually they did, didn't they? But the, he was fending him off at first with this long... He had the length to, yeah, to yeah, defend himself. Um, what happened yesterday? There was one yesterday, wasn't there? Um, well, uh, I'm not 100% on it, but it was a machete attack, and I believe... 
I, I believe he was under observation, so uh, somebody, uh, one of the cops has shot him. Okay. Um, so, yeah, but I don't thoroughly know what's what's gone on with that one. I've just seen the news like yourself. So after your first training then, what, you immediately assigned as a beat cop? No, when, you, when you've done your, your training, your classroom-based training, you then go with a more experienced officer, a tutor constable. Uh, so the tutor con mine was a, a really good lad, uh, Brian, um, and and he taught me a load of uh, of good stuff. Um, you know, generally stuff like uh, don't swear. If you don't swear, when anyone swears, you've always got the power to arrest them, because if they're swearing at you, they're committing a public order offence. But if you've sworn first, you're a bit of a hypocrite to be locking them up, aren't you? Um, so he was a he was a straight down the the line guy, very uh, very nice fella, taught me loads, and um, and we got recorded very early on as well. Somebody was recording us, uh, which showed what what you're up against, you know. Yeah. Um, and that the current system is everyone's got a mobile phone, everyone's recording everybody. So you know, if you do something wrong, you're on on film doing something wrong. Did the police carry now? No, like sort of like the bailers carry like little cameras. Uh, in some forces, yeah, yeah, uh, they've got. I uh, think they're a good idea. They though, are a good you idea. Don't, I mean, I think you're going to get a lot more guilty pleas if that's happening. Well, exactly because you got it there. It's yeah, not just how your can, word against how those, can they you know argue I mean? with it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so I had um, in my first ten weeks, you go out with with this tutor constable, and uh, you come across um, various. Uh, things like that. So, so my, one of my first arrests was um, was a shoplifter who used to work at Risley Prison uh, as a prison officer, um, and uh, I ended up um, at that stage. I, my wife was doing uh, shifts and stuff, so I was like quite keen on on the job. My mates had gone off to university, so I pretty much didn't have a life, and I enjoyed the cops. It was really good fun. So I end up going off duty. I was I was looking round and I found out where all these things had been stolen from. Yeah, and so came back to uh, the name Keen Dean then. So it was a bit of a nickname for a little bit. Um, but so we you were never off duty, were you? Then, anyway? Well, I, I <laughs> there was plenty of times when I'd, I'd done off duty stuff, but we'll we'll come to that later on. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it at the beginning. It was really, really good. I'd, I'd want that keen on rest days. Well, that's what you want, though, isn't it? I mean, if you've got a job where you enjoy it, yeah. it's perfect, isn't it? I never thought I would. I never never planned on doing it. It was just yeah. but you get the adrenaline rushes from chases and um, the fights. And I'm no hard man, but the, the fights that you have, I've had an adrenaline. And I, um, I had something inside me that was, I would have been embarrassed if I'd have ever turned away from a problem. Because um, I'm wearing a uniform, yeah, and I've, I've properly swallowed the pill, so you know, someone your size would not have stopped me from tackling you. You know, it, it's not that I'm hard. You'd, off duty, I'd run away from you, but um, but on duty with the with the uh, you're doing your, you, you do doing this your stuff, job, aren't you? and you were. I was able, I think, to um, to talk to people. So you would have people. You'd walk down the street, and and people be effing and jeffing lads on a night out. It's not the biggest thing in the world, but you're in a uniform, you've got to show. So I would walk up to people and say, yeah, lads, keep it down, because there's, there's women here, they're going to get very sexist, sorry about that, but there's women here, they might be offended, just keep it down. Anyway, have you had a good night? Have you been, have you, have you pulled tonight? Have you done? And you get on a level that they can understand, and, yeah. and, and that was uh, was hopefully diffused the situation, and, and that's what it, what it happened. So you were an arsehole, basically. 
I wasn't an arsehole as such, but I um, but I was sort of sometimes I'd be like zero tolerance in a way. So that could be an arsehole, depending on which way you look at it. Well, as long as you're constant, it's not not being an arsehole, is it? As yeah. long as you constantly do that. Yeah, I mean, it was I was fair with people. Never, yeah, never uh, made up any stories about people or whatever. It was, if they if they got arrested, they got arrested. But I did arrest a lot, you know. Um, uh, whether that's fair or not, I've, I've regretted some of those things later on um, in relation to the drugs. Uh, Offences and and stuff like that, um, but at the time it was a case of yeah you've you've done something wrong you you're coming in sort of thing. Would you turn a bent copper in? Would I turn a bent copper in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's good. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of people say oh no you, you did they stick to their own and they never turn on their own, but I think if you're a good copper you would do it. Yeah, no, I, I think you give him all. The pro- coppers give him the rest of them a bad name. The problem is if if you, um, so so something <coughs> like the and again I've, I wasn't involved in the actual investigations and stuff, so I'm only surmising. But imagine you've got like the Birmingham Six or the Guildford Four, yeah. was it? Now they believed that, that these people had done things wrong, and and there was very often a time when you'd walk down the street, you would know that somebody, whoever it would be, let's just imagine a name, it's Billy Smith and, and all people will call Billy Smith from now on. So Billy Smith is walking down the street and you know Billy Smith is a burglar. So so just because he's a burglar doesn't mean so you can go and arrest him. Mm. But you have to find him committing an offence. And Billy Smith will come every couple of weeks. You'll arrest Billy Smith for something. It might not be you, but it might be some of your mates or whatever. So you'd, you'd always have, you'd know who these people were. And I think, like, the IRA are known, uh, or the terrorists are known to the local cops. Yes, I don't understand but, that. Why haven't you... I mean, they do know them all by name, don't they? But but you have to find them doing something. Doing something. And, you know, and I know speaking to um, to an army lad uh, who, was in, who was in Cheshire Police, and, and he said that they'd be walking around in, in Ireland and, and they'd... they'd They'd go cover to cover, so they'd be in a doorway looking for the mates as they progressed down down a road. They'd be in it, and some of the local IRA had come up to them, and they'd say, "You're, you're fucking good, you are." Um, I'm a terrible mimic for accents, by the way. Sorry about that. You're fucking good, but we'll get you one day. He says, "You only have to f- fuck up once, and we'll get you." And he's like, so then consequently, those boys would find that boy down an alleyway, and he just threatened them, so they would. Deal with him a, a, accordingly, but then that creates this big problem that keeps going backwards and forwards, doesn't it? Yeah, you know. And and the thing is, with 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 the Birmingham Six or whatever, there was a suggestion that they um, fabricated evidence to convict them, to guarantee the convict the conviction instead of allowing it to run. They did a little bit more in order to get that conviction and. And that was a problem because then they were found out. It doesn't mean to say that they didn't do it or weren't terrorists or weren't whatever, but in respect of that case, they'd done too much and and fabricated the evidence. But then that creates a big problem down the line for any subsequent. Get away with stuff all the time, though. Well, in a way, it's human nature. It would it would be you would want to get this person who's done something yeah. wrong. You would want to do it, but the problem is then that that taints any future cases that you've got. Mm. Because then the magistrates would say, well, we know that the Birmingham Sixers, uh, there were corrupt people in that. How do we know this guy here is not corrupt? There's actually people got out of jail because of that. Was were Even 
say like the solicitor or someone has done something. Well, there's other, there's been other cases where they've had the same solicitor, and they've got a new solicitor. And what they've said is, well, he's he's done this, and he could have done that to that, my my client yeah. too. And it gives it it gives you that gap where you can you know it, it brings into that reasonable doubt, doesn't it? Yeah, then? yeah. If you're especially if you're only relying on, so say Sean's a, a bent copper and he's done. 99% of his, his jobs have been correct, but this particular one he's found out to have lied, then anyone else who knows that Sean was a bent copper then subsequently, well, he could have done that for me, couldn't he? Exactly. And it, yeah. it does create, an, and it's a problem for the judicial system going forward. If you get if you, if you corrupt, then it creates a problem down the line. You know. So what were your major challenges starting out? Um, well, I favoured uniform generally, um, so so I basically was was into um, community uh, uniform wearing wearing uniform. I wasn't into um, CID and stuff like that. Yeah. Although subsequently I did go on briefly for a period. So you'd just walk around, and and I used to stop cars. I would go out and I would, if, if someone was driving and they had no light out, I'd stop the car. And I'm not into traffic. I wasn't, it's got its value, whatever, but it wasn't sort of me. But what I would do is I'd use that as an excuse then to find out, speak to them, see if they were nervous, see if they were suspicious yeah. and say, you know, so is it your car? If it's your car, you should know what's in your boot. So what's in your boot? And then they would get out and they would have a look at the boot. And you'd find things. You'd get you'd, drugs and all sorts. You'd just find you? things left, right and centre. You could smell cannabis inside. You could do whatever. And it was easy to, to it was like shelling peas sometimes. So in America, get, if, say the police pull you over and they ask, can they search your car? And you just say no and they can't search it. Do you have to have a probable cause? Um, reasonable suspicion in, in this one. So... If you are <coughs> fidgeting in your pockets, if you're uh, if you're sweating, if you're what what is reasonable to you, Sean, might be different to me. Because getting pulled over by the police does make you sweat and fidget. It does, yeah. And I've you're I, just thinking, yeah, I've what's been even next. even when you're generally a straight up guy, you know, you every time I go through customs, I crap myself, and I'm like, well, I'm not, <laughs> I don't even smoke, I'm not even taking cigarettes through. So, <laughs> but I know, you've Sean got this thing. Tell all these runners. Back in the day in America when he was a criminal, um, he'd tell them all to make sure the car was completely, the lights were working, yeah. everything. Don't give them reasons to yeah. stop you in the first place, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I'm sure the, the cleverer ones get away with it because of that. Because you, you, that... you get dumbasses with like a broken headlight and they've got like 10,000 pills in the car, you know what I mean? It's just... But, but you, you know, you're, you're that busy as the cops, then you can't get a, get this straight up uh, yeah. middle aged woman who's driving a, a brand new car. She's not going to get stopped in comparison with a young buck who's driving like an idiot. And that's how you some, get the old some people... American, wouldn't you? No tattoos and stuff like that as well. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, so I I I, I found um, I was invited to go on it on my first drug raid um, as as a young uh, young kid. Like um, a SWAT team member, sort of. Yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't fully trained. It was just like you need the numbers, you'll do. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll get you on that. So uh, the first time we went out, we went to uh, to witness. Funnily enough, yeah. don't know if it was one of yours to be honest. Never I never found the guy. But um, but we went in a Warburton's truck. And the Warburton truck we we borrowed off off them. All the bobbies are in the back of, of this thing, and the driver is all excited. 
And when you're excited, you drive a bit quicker. And yeah. You drive a bit. Oh my God, in the back, we're like swinging around. There's, there's no seat belts or anything. We just stood there and we thought we were going to go over. So we, we come out and it was up, um, I think it was in a set of flats. So we were up some stairs and I'm, I don't know. Probably off green where I live. So. I, I'm fifth or something going through. So the door's gone through and then everybody's running up the stairs. Now everyone suddenly goes to the left hand side just against the wall, left-hand side, left-hand side, left-hand side, left-hand side. And I then see Staffy on the front uh, at the top. And I go to the side and, like, Staffy's, you know, they can bite you. They, they, they yeah. are, they're not trained to restrain, <laughs> are they? <laughs> and he just walks down the stairs like that. He's a hard dog. He just walked down like that. So that was a, that was a good, that was my first introduction to drug, drug raids. Do you ever take anything with you to like um, distract a dog, like a dog? They, yeah, they've had, they've food. got proper stuff. Um, they've had um, uh, fire extinguishers. They, they've used them. There's um, subsequently, as as things develop, they've got like a, a shield with an electric shock on it, and they can they can use that, and obviously that will scare a dog. Yeah. Um, I don't think the CS spray worked on it, but pepper spray does on, on a dog. So that was a problem. The CS spray was. a a problem at first because it was some sausage yeah, yeah <laughs> that's it that'd be all right wouldn't it um so yeah so that was uh that was an interesting first one uh, then i went on to um uh, a local a local beat area of a fairly rough area and um and then we started to come across drugs uh it was, I was probably like two years in and um, you found that the first time I found heroin was was just by accident. The guy was dead suspicious, and he wouldn't let me check him. And yeah. You, you, was that on a raid or in the public? No, just in the street. On the street, we'd just come across this lad, and um, he was it was dark or whatever, and it was it was one of them. And, and we start talking, and he's like fidgeting and stuff. And it turned out he'd he'd hidden it in like the drawstring part, and it was just a, a little paper wrap at that stage. Um, but subsequently it became plastic and stuff like that. Yeah. But this just a, a, just a piece of paper, so he, he was locked up for that. But uh, as we started working on that beat, you'd come across people again, you know who they are. So you'd see a, a lad in the distance, you knew who he was, and he saw us, his face went white, and he, and he necked it. So we'd walk up, and we knew he'd already necked it, and it'd gone. So what are you going to do? So we just walked past, went, morning. Carried on. <laughs> so he'd, so he'd swallowed himself. all this for nothing. There's yeah. nothing we could have done anyway. So so uh, we see him a couple of days later and says, how'd you get on with all that stuff then? And he says, oh, man. He said, I just didn't need to have any gear for weeks. <laughs> for days, sorry, not weeks. <laughs> a couple of days. Um, but, yeah, so I, so I said I was I was quite fit in those days and I was a good runner. Um, so there was a guy who was uh, who was wanted uh, on warrant, we, you found out on your list that he was wanted, and uh, and we saw this guy, and um, he's in the distance. So I can't. And there's no way I'm going to get him. As fit as I am, I'm not going to get. I'm not going to get him. And he he runs off straight down the alleyway. Uh, so I walk past, and I walk past, and he he's there, and I'm not looking at him, but I am. Yeah. As soon as I get past the alleyway, I'm off. Helmets off. Big licks to the next left, to the next left, to the next left. And he's there, and he's looking up the street. You're behind him. And I'm behind him, and I'm <laughs> stood at the side. And I'm just laughing to myself, and I'm stood at the side, and I'm, I actually mimic him at the side of him, and I'm looking up the street. 
<laughs> I said, what are we looking at, Alan? And he looks at me, he goes, ah! <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I got him on that one. And, um, and then a bit later on, he's wanted again. So this time I'm, I'm off after him. I'm close enough this time. So he runs and he jumps over a fence and I jump over the fence. And then he runs and he jumps over another fence. I jump over this fence. Now there's loads of people. It's middle of the day. Um, and loads of people are there watching all his cronies and stuff like that. And yeah. I'm running at the side of him. I'm going, come on, Alan. I'm running out of steam. Keep going, Alan. I'm going to give up any minute now, Alan. Alan. <laughs> and I've just Taking got him all face. all over. I've got, and he's running past his mates and he's saying, stop him, stop him. And they're just <laughs> laughing at him as well. <laughs> but it could have been nasty, that one, because we turn the corner, we get to his car, and inside his car he get, he reaches for a baseball bat. Uh, but he's, he's caught and he's locked up and and that's that one. Um, so we so again I'm, I'm not I'm I'm interested in drug, drugs. I'm finding them easy to catch. Uh, burnt foil uh, it's, it's easy enough to 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 catch. Um, uh, one of the early drug warrants that we do um, is a second floor of a set of flats, and they've got balconies. So um, at the side of it, the way the, the, the brickwork is designed, there's like a, a sort of walk, not a walkway, but the brick, uh, the bricks you could walk up. So I borrow my dad's ladders. Yeah. Um, we, we've got this warrant sorted out. Um, so we, we run up, ladders against the, the thing, up the wall, my mate's up the wall, I'm up the ladders, over the balcony, inside. I've got hold of my guy, he's on the deck, this other guy runs to the kitchen and just as he clears the front door, the front door just obliterates from the outside in and he just misses getting squashed by this door. Fantastic to see. But they jump in and grab hold of him Yeah, and he's got a samurai sword. Wow. So again, if they hadn't come through at the right time, that could have it been, could be dangerous, that could have been very yeah. nasty. But the guy who I um, who I uh, I caught had the smelliest feet, mm. putrid. Really Horrible. did. I was, mm. You you smell some smells in this job, and <laughs> that was one of the worst ones. And that that must be twenty eight years ago. I still smell that smell. It's awful. What other smells do you smell in the job? Um, sudden deaths, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, deaths are um, they're an acquired smell. You can tell. Uh, so if someone's more like often that, than not not been answering the door, or like a neighbour reports, yeah, you have to, are you the person who has to go? Quite often, yeah. You'd, you'd. Um, I mean, we had um, this one wasn't a death in the end, um, but we we go to this concern. They've not seen the family for a while, um, so we turn up, knock on the door, no answer. Open the letterbox. Oh my God, the smell! The smell mm. is just. Right, yeah, Firetel four or five, whatever. Um, yeah, it's, it's a death. This um, can you send? Uh, you know, send whatever. Uh, you're gonna have to send the, the team. Like, so next thing you know, you see some movement inside through the glass. You know, frosted glass thing at the front. Some movement. This fella comes down the stairs, and he's got a plaster covering his own nose. He's closed his nose so he can't smell the smell. Okay. And he's opened the door, and we take three steps in, and his wife's there, and she's chur-bound, and they've not been looking after her, and she's oh. just been doing her own thing. Oh. So, 
His answer was to put a plaster Yeah, he solved, <laughs> he solved his problem, I'm all right, Jack. Oh. But tragic, so we had to get social services out and they mm. looked after them, but we took three steps in, three steps out. Yeah, can get social that, services and ambulance out. Were the times when you found corpses that were not that had not died naturally? Uh, yeah, we've well, well I'll, I'll do the uh, I'll do a unfortunate one. Um, I've just learnt to drive in, within the cops, um, so I'm out on patrol on my own, and uh, I go to a house report of a hanging. Um, so I go into the house up the stairs. The mum's there. Um, we have to force the way into the into the room and this um, young lad had hanged himself by the door handle so he could he could have stood up at any point yeah. but he obviously wanted to to go and, and that's what it was so we push him past and undo the ligature and stuff and I can feel a pulse so I start mouth to mouth on him uh, chest compressions and stuff like that and a friend of mine, um, who we always used to mess about with, he, he wasn't the most professional of cops in in you know in general day to day chatting and stuff like that. Good but when laugh, it, though. But when it came, oh, absolutely great yeah. laugh, great lad. Um, but when it came to it, we all switched on, and it, and he was super professional. So he gets on the mouth end, so he's doing the mouth to mouth bit. I'm doing the chest compressions, and we work on this kid for a while um, till the ambulance get there. They still allow us to work on him for a little bit, and then eventually they call it and say, "Look, he's gone." Mm. Uh, so we go downstairs. We've obviously had a bit of trauma there, and um, we're now getting outside. And we we realise you've just been doing mouth to mouth to a dead person, uh, so you're like <laughs> spitting, <laughs> spitting on the floor. And you're like, fucking hell, mate! Fucking this! <laughs> fucking! And then we suddenly become aware of. Uh, to our side, there's a load of kids sat there just looking, just, looking at you, <laughs> just watching us, and we're going. So not exactly professional, but but yeah. So that was uh, that was a obviously uh, a sad sad case. There's there's unfortunately there's been uh, there's been a few. There was one where where a guy had died and he'd fallen forwards, and we couldn't find him at first. And the the family's there, and, and he was in the corner. He was only a frail old man. Oh. And and he'd fallen forwards, and he and we, he's still in his position on the floor. So when we we pick him up, he's got a cigarette burned his his mouth because he's had a cigarette as he's probably just got up to turn the telly over or something. At least that's like a natural. You wouldn't imagine he'd have suffered. No, he would have probably just he's literally gone to change the channel on, yeah. the, on the on the telly or whatever. So, um, but that was a shame. But there's one of my friends. Uh, Went to another similar scenario, and um, and he's going along, and he's saying, uh, oh, "Sean, sorry to meet you at this time. Sorry, wild man, to meet you at this time." So, oh, you're the dead body. Because <laughs> <laughs> they were sat next to him, <laughs> just sat next to him, and he was just. just wow, that's that's a good way to go, I suppose. Just <laughs> just sat there, isn't it? Um, so you mentioned that there was the occasions when they had the knives, but like. It, they got put down before they could use it. Did you have any closer calls than that yourself? Um, yeah, towards um, towards the end of my career, I um, I'd, I'd I'd spent a good eight years in in the cells in custody as a custody sergeant, 
Um, and I, I want to get promoted to inspector before before I retire. So uh, part of what you need to do is, is have recent experience. So I go out on patrol and, and in 10 years or nine years, whatever, since I've been doing it, the world's changed. So there's things that used to go on that no longer go on. Like now you, you can't speed without putting your uh, sirens on. You can't go through red lights unless you've got... Because it's all black box recorded. Uh, and it was like, I was coming out of... Uh, I sa- think the sirens are telling people you're coming. You should, exactly. You should have them off. Absolutely. You know I mean? And that's exactly what it was. So so I'm going out with this uh, young girl, and she's she's telling me, uh, you know, you can't do that, Sarge. You know, you can't yeah. do that, Sarge. And I said, give over, because you can do that. And I go through a red light in the middle of 3 o'clock in the morning, whatever. I'm not going to wake up every family member up at, who's near the police station just yeah. by turning my sirens on. Oh, you can't do that, Sarge. You can't do that, Sarge. So um, anyway, we, we go to these jobs. I, I'm still a old school, so I'm leaving my sirens off or doing whatever. So this particular day, I'm not used to wearing my CS spray and, and my, uh, my kit, you know, all this lot. I've, I've, I've forgotten. I'm not, I'm not as switched yeah. on as I was because I'm relatively new again. Um, so I'm going out with this with this with this young girl, and uh, she says, um, "Sarge, you forgot your CS your CS spray." And I says, "Natalie, I've been doing this for uh, twenty years. I've never used my spray yet. I don't think I'm going to use it tonight, am I?" Famous last words. words. Famous <laughs> last words. You wished it upon yourself. <laughs> so, so at this stage, this is we're, we're coming to the end of, of my career now. So I've I've, I've been trained. I'm, I'm a, a <coughs> what's called a public order tactical advisor. So I I advise the higher ranks, the superintendents and stuff, on the tactics for sieges, uh, um, riots, things like that. So I get called to uh, a siege situation. So there's a woman inside a, a room and a fellas. Got got a uh, and he's got a knife. So I arrive and um, there's other people there and and they're less experienced than me. So I'm pretty confident when it comes to it. The adrenaline rushes in and I've got some some skills. So I, and I'm 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 fairly confident with it. So right, this is what we're going to do. I said, Natalie, give us your gas. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, had, I had the gas off Natalie and I'm talking to him and saying, "Hi, mate, what what's happening?" Uh, yeah, I just want to make sure you're all right. That's all. Is whatever. And uh, I says, is, "Is your girlfriend there?" Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. I says, "You all right?" Yeah. He's got a knife though, right? Okay. <coughs> and I says, "What? What are you doing?" Blah, blah blah. He says, "She said, don't do it. Don't do it." So what do you do? You got to react. So I haven't got enough people to do the job properly. But what we have got, we're going to go through. So I said, "Right, come on." So we force the door, but he's on the other side of the door. So I force it, one, two, three. As I push it through, a knife comes round the side and it literally would have got me. But, but I'm, I've gone lower to push. To push. So it, it so arrives just, just, at the, just at the side of me, yeah. So, <coughs> so then I'm like gassing him through there. And <laughs> so if you hadn't died, you'd yeah, because I, I needed to put my shoulder into yeah. it so I'd, I'd got down. But wow. Yeah, normally, normally with a proper... A proper siege situation like that, you'd have your helmets on and you'd have your, your body armour and your yeah. kit on. Uh, but that was one of them reactive, you had to do it there and then sort of thing. Well, you were a custody sergeant. Could you smoke back then? Um, in the early stages, they could, but yeah. I've never smoked, so it, oh. I, it never... I've got to say, but you got the ones down with, witness, they must have gone through about 20, 40 fags a day. 
Yeah, yeah. And everyone's like, have you got a fag? You got a... And they give you one to shoot you. Oh, know, well, it was, it was actually a good little tool at one stage to, to keep people calm. It was all right. But yeah. when, it, when it came to the point where nobody could smoke in the police stations and no one could create, there was a period of time where everyone thought you were just being awkward. Because yeah. if you if you were in uh, in Warrington, there's a, a big guy called Harry, and it, Harry he would always roll them, a, do a rolly and give them a fag, and, and keep them quiet, look, them, them, look after them. Yeah, absolutely. So, but yeah. Any other close calls? Um, well, I got uh, I got stabbed in in real life, but that was uh, that was in training. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> so I um, so I've gone on a, a the the very early stage of a level. Of, of drug buying, uh, test purchasing, so it's the lowest level of undercover stuff. Um, and somebody else had dropped out of a course. I get asked, don't to do the course, so I went on the course, and it was a great course. Um, but one of the things we had to do was have a simulation of you're going to buy some some drugs from somebody. So yeah. I'm going to buy some gear. I've got to justify why I'm in this location. I've got to come up with a cover story, and I decide that I'm I'm going to be doing something where I'm I'm working over there. I'm doing I'm doing some grafting, uh, so uh, I've got some money. I want some money as part of my cover story. I want some money to put in my sock. But this guy on the other side is is an instructor, yeah. but he's aware of our cover stories, yeah, which, so which is a bit unfair. Yeah. So he knows I've got this cover story, and they decide that they're going to rob me for my money. Ah, uh, right. But unfortunately, they um, they use a Stanley knife, and adrenaline is rushing. Whatever, I suddenly get threatened by a knife to my throat, and my first reaction is to is to push off and fight. Mm-hmm. You know, not necessarily real life, not what you should do, but it's what I just did instinctively. Fight so, or flight, isn't it? Fight or flight, yeah. yeah. So, I, so I end up fighting. There's a, a very little struggle, and I can see a spot of blood on the back of my hand, and I said. I said, Andy, Andy, I said, you've been hurt. Because I've not felt anything. And he says, he says, what do you mean? Not been hurt. I said, well, there's blood there. And then I go like this and my hand goes, mammy. Yeah. <laughs> there's a big hole in my hand. And the, the knife is back in. And what we've done is I've pushed it. The Stanley knife's come out. He's pulled it back. It's gone back in. So there was, I would have been a Stanley. It's that sharp. It's that sharp. I didn't feel it. You wouldn't. So we'd, we then had... Um, you're in the middle of uh, a sort of uh, this training environment, and and the first thing that comes to hand is a, is a tampon. <laughs> so they've got a tampon on on my hand, followed by a bandage, and then we have to go to the hospital. So they said, right, stay in character. It's part of your assessment. Stay in character. <laughs> so I go and get treated for this thing as as this as a drug dealer. As the, as the drug dealer, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it was all right, but. But my friend who'd put the tampon on, um, that was a perfect, it was it was great. Then the doctor comes along to have a look at me to see an, a, a first assessment, uh, takes the stuff off, rebandages it all up. I'm, I'm pissing blood out then. Yeah. Because he's not done as good a job as my mate did with the tampon. Tampon's wow. a perfect thing, isn't it? Because it'll soak all the stuff up. Yeah, yeah. Well, we had a, another one. Um, so, again, this is quite early on in, in my career. You know, you think about people who, who self-harm, people who get injured in custody, and they wouldn't do that. The cops have beat them up. The cops must have beat them up. Yeah. They wouldn't have done that. So in, in Warrington Police Station, there was an alleyway that came down on the outside of the building before you came on the inside. And if you had someone who was causing trouble, they'd say, can we have a reception committee at, at the Nick? So yeah. you'd have a reception committee. Now, I've heard some uh, one of your tales the, the other day about... Uh, <laughs> 
Bobby's coming in to beat them up. Yeah. That wasn't... In little rural Cheshire, that didn't, didn't happen. You know, happened in Bridewell and Liverpool. Maybe. maybe. Yeah. Well, I'm, there's another story for that one. Um, so, anyway, this guy comes in. But our reception committee is to, is to take control of them and stuff like that. Uh, this guy's waiting. We've got reinforced glass, you know, with the mesh. Uh, and then we've got bars on the inside. Yeah. And this guy is handcuffed behind his back. He has his head right back, smacks his head. Smashes the reinforced glass. Wow, it must have hit pretty hard. Like. You can imagine, can't you? Yeah. And he then comes into the floor. Now we've we've got him cont- contained, but he's got a cut on his head. Um, so we find uh, I find a sanitary uh, pad. Yeah. And I use that and I right. apply pressure, bandage him up, whatever. He's now got to go to hospital. So he, he goes to hospital. And um, and he's not for being treated. He doesn't want to be treated. And he's also being a bit of an arse. And we've le- allowed him to be treated by the nurses and stuff. He's abusing them. They're saying, "Well, there's nothing we can do. We're not we're not going to keep him here. He's abusive. Well, he's, he's being this, a that, dick. And the other. Fuck him off." So he so he's got this thing on his head now. When you have a group of people, it it can look bad. But if five people take control of somebody, you're more, more likely to keep control of them and not hurt them. Yeah, yeah. And this guy was taken to the floor as gentle as I've ever seen. That you know, Bobby's take this guy to the floor. He was lowered to the floor. We kept control of his head. Everything's doing great. But he's so determined. He's rubbing this thing, and he's he gets the thing off his head. So he's again, he starts pissing with blood, and there's a pool coming. It's all coming over my knees and all this. And this guy is is, is really bad. But the doctors and nurses they're still saying we're not treating him. Nothing we can do. Put the bandage on, take him back to the hospital, uh, to the Nick. And this doctor comes on um, and he, he, he comes on. And I don't know why I thought I was knew a little bit more than a doctor, but because I'd seen what's going on, <laughs> the doctor's saying, take the pad off. I say, no, doctor, he's really, he's really going to, it's leaking. And he says, take it off. And I says, no, seriously, he's going to, he's going to, why he's got to look at it. If he's going to stitch it up, he's got yeah. to look at it, isn't he? But I'm thinking I know a bit more. So anyway, we take it off and sure enough, it pisses out and he lifts, lifts this flap of skin and there's like an artery in your in his brain and it's pulsing blood. Oh, God. And this, I can't remember, I'll do remember his name, but I won't say it, but he says, um, he says, if he doesn't let me stitch it, he will die. And this fella stops fighting straight away and he just it's goes like, like this. And okay. He's, okay. Yeah. And he gets stitched, but because he's he's not, he, there's no anaesthetic for him. Um. He has it all like this. Oh, my oh. God. Proper little ball tension at that. <laughs> Did you come across any other self-harmers then? You had to... Quite a few self-harmers, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's, there's a guy, I didn't, I've dealt with him separately many times, but this particular time he tried to cut his own hand off. What? And he completely circled his hand with a you, with you, a Stanley knife. Stanley knife. Yeah, and he was just yeah. waiting there when when the oh. people arrived. Uh, he was just there, and and the blood had gone all the way to the road from his his front of his his house. Was that mental illness or depression? Yeah, or? I think mental illness. Yeah. Bloody hell! A lot of them do it just for like attention, but that's. I mean, obviously, you get ones that actually want to do it. That sounds like you want to do it. Yeah. Because you get the ones that will go like this. Then if you're going to actually kill yourself, you're that's, to go that, that's you know, it. Yeah, yeah, you're supposed to. Well, yeah. But the, the statistics are that people who do just do the cry for help, yeah, they're more likely to go on to do it proper. Now, whether that's by mistake because no one finds them, 
or whether it's because eventually they're already in a bad place. And you do get cutters what just like it. Just... Yeah, that's a weird thing. I've I've spoken to a girl who was um, who was a cutter, and she just said it. It, it, it felt just, good. It just makes me feel calmer once it's happened. It's like the feel. It's a bit like a drug, the the adrenaline or whatever. Getting um, the stress out in a way, isn't it? Put on yourself. Yeah. Don't. Well, I wouldn't do it myself, like, but you know. I don't. It's hard to imagine for someone in in a a sane place in the mind to want to commit suicide or to do whatever. But generally, those people, when they do do it, are not in that sane place of mind. So, how does handling these situations affect your mental health? Well, ultimately, I I did uh, leave early because I went mental, um, or I had mental health problems, shall we say? What were your symptoms? Um, I had PTSD. Um, so mine was a slow build. Uh, a long time ago, uh, twenty-one years ago, um, my son died in uh, in childbirth. So um, about uh, medical negligence, big Still. big issue. Uh, mm. As a cop, one of the ways I dealt with it was to um, I almost had OCD. I was researching medical negligence, researching medical negligence, whatever, because the hospital closed ranks and wouldn't tell us things and stuff like that. But we had contacts at the hospital because my wife's a nurse. So we had contacts at the hospital who told us that, you know, we've been told not to say anything. And it's like, this can't be right. So I ultimately went to the cops and made a complaint of uh, corporate manslaughter against them. Um, But again, it was... At that time, corporate manslaughter was very new. There'd only been one person who'd been done for it. Mm -hmm. And that he was... um, a canoe and outward bound type person who took some kids out but hadn't had enough people to supervise it. So, um, so yeah, so that that would have been 21 years ago. So I had about 10 years in, in the cops. Let me just uh, say something to the viewers there then. Um, we recently had a guest on whose baby died from meg- medical negligence also. That podcast will be live now. And the title of it is Arrested for Murdering My Own Baby. So if you want to see um, what Dean is describing, how the hospitals, they do close ranks to protect their careers and not not to have to pay out money. Yeah. This child was getting progressively sicker. Um, They kept taking her back to the hospital, but they knew if the the baby died at the, the parent's house, it would be the parent's fault instead of the baby... Dying in the hospital, so the baby's going back and forth, back and forth. It was that. Yeah, it was an absolutely horrendous situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, so, yeah. I mean, that's that's not the police's fault. That's not not an issue with the police. It was to do with uh, with the hospital. Um, but the police have me now to deal with for the rest of my career. Um, so I I have a month off. Um, and I go back to work, and I've not told them I'm going back to work, but my sick note has run out. Um, and I, I arrive at, at Warrington Police Station, and I'm in the backyard, and I'm shaking, and I'm tearing up. And, and uh, part of me says, well, you're not ill, so you, you've got to go back to work. You're not ill. How can you be off sick? You're not ill. And then obviously part of me is is, is wobbling like no tomorrow. But I think, right... It's a different but, kind of illness. It's not like yeah. having a cold or anything, is it? No, but I thought, well, I'd better go in because my colleague, who was another sergeant, he's been looking after the ship for a month on his mm-hmm. own. 
So eventually, I, I summoned the, the balls to go on. And sorry, just to, not that it really matters, but my nan had died the day before as well. Jesus. So it was like within a month to the day, my nan had died as well. So oh that goodness. was a, a bit of a shocker to me. Um, but that was more understandable. She was an older person, and and it was it was more predicted. Um, but I decided, right, I'm going to go into work. So so I go into work, and they've given the lad time off. My colleague, they've given him time off, so I'm I'm the one on my own. They don't know whether I'm yeah. going to be any good, but I'm first day back, I'm on my own. So thanks very much, Cheshire Police. Well done. Yeah, thanks <laughs> for that. So uh, so I I struggle on for about 12 months and then a, a, a very good friend uh, recommended um, I have uh, counselling, see somebody. I was struggling um, and I ended up going for counselling uh, about a year. It was about a year after and uh, and he 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 was an ex-military guy. He'd seen people suffering from PTSD and stuff like that and he'd, he'd realised and nudged me in the right direction. So I had a lot of counselling. Um, Cheshire were really good supporting me on that one. Um, got to a point where they said, right, you can't go back on patrol unless you have tablets um, because, you know, you're not in a fit state. Now, I'd never been angry with the, the public or angry with the uh, the police, but I was angry with the hospital because they were closing ranks and, and saying stuff, you know. Um, so that was that. Now, six months after I'd... Uh, this is where my epiphany came, in a way, with regards to, to drugs. I'd, I'd had a... I'd had a uh, sympathy for drug users uh, for some time, um, and I'll, I'll nip back to that story. But but this is following on from this. So six months after I've, um, I'm booking some lad in uh, into custody, and he's in for possession of heroin. And I said to him, uh, I always used to say, if you had any drugs, legal or illegal, that's going to affect you. Is it yeah. something that you're going to admit something you've you've done when you're under the influence? So. Said, have you had any drugs, legal or or illegal? And he says, uh, just heroin. And I said, uh, can you not get off that shit, mate? And I says, because it's not obviously not good for you. Very naive. I've never done heroin, so it's just dead easy to to quit, isn't it? And he says, he says, no. I says, he says, I've only been doing it six months since my wife and uh, child died in childbirth. Jesus. Yes. And he turned to drugs, whereas I turned to antidepressants. And and yeah. uh, I had a family network that backed me up. My wife was still alive, uh, whereas his his wife had died. And that was like, why are we prosecuting this guy for heroin? Why why are we why are we doing that? And that was like the big hammer. That was his release, wasn't it? He he lived on a council estate. There was yeah. someone on there who said, "Have this. This will take your pain away." <coughs> And that was that. So but you, I'd already had, like, back in the in the early stages, like some of the first people we were chasing, um, you know, they were they were drug users, and uh, and we we listened from a local place. Uh, we could hear them outside these shops, and we could hear them talking. And when they weren't talking normal, they were talking about like Pink Floyd album that my mate was listening to. Yeah. I was like, they're the same as me. These are the same as me, and. And we used to have a bit of fun with them because, again, back in those days, there wasn't as many police women uh, as there are now. So to search a woman was hard work because you had to get somebody a female. To, to drive up to wherever you were for the chance that you may or may not find something. Yeah. So you never used to bother. So we had this girl and, and this, this lad had said, put it in your bra, put it in your bra. Well, they know that too, though. So, so we knew it was in her bra. So we go out there and we just have a little general chat. And uh, we also know there are no police women available for us. 
So we we can't we can't win with it. We you know. So it's just a case of like. So we said, hey, hey Sean, and he says you wouldn't believe it. Some of these lads now they're getting the girlfriends to hide the stuff down the bras. <laughs> you wouldn't do that, would you? And we were just like playing with them because you know we knew what what they were up to, but. We couldn't do anything about it anyway, you know what I mean? And their faces are like, oh my God. <laughs> but yeah, and then, and then another one which shows how desperate people are. We'd, uh, my, my friend had locked some, someone up for tamazipans, um, which was Class C at the time, and the CPS had dropped it, saying that you know it's not in public interest or whatever it was. So we thought, oh, well, you, you can't. There's no point arresting for for uh, for tamazipans. Green and yellow eggs. So we got these uh, little jellies. They were yeah. and um, and it was like right. I says well, you can either get arrested uh, or you can throw them down the drain. It's up to, up to you because we knew CPS weren't going to prosecute. So so they threw threw them down the drain. We we drove off and we drove off and then we thought, I wonder have they gone back. And we went back, and sure enough, the uh, fag, <laughs> fag in the mouth, Jemmy trying to pull up the drain. <laughs> you think you're going to take this stuff from the drain? The sewer, yeah. Wow. And that, that's that. And I've been into um, into houses where uh, there's been pictures up of, of of drug dealers, little small level dealers, but there's there's like pictures of bed, a dead baby on the mantelpiece, mm. and that's why she started. Oh doing it because she'd lost and it, these people are in pain and and they're turning to drugs and and that's not a good thing and they all they haven't a lot of them haven't got the family network they've, they've lost the family and they've got nothing have they really no and 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 once you're on it it's so hard to get off isn't it so that's especially heroin yeah yeah you know so that's that's what's so such a shame for it uh, you know that's my opinion, and, and I think that's why I contacted you on the, on the, the podcast because I, I just thought criminalising it doesn't help. It doesn't help it. If it was legalised, if you if you look at something like cocaine or whatever, from from the field to the street, it it goes up by something like ten thousand percent. Yeah. So if you, if you well, have, every hand that passed, someone's there getting their cut. They're yeah, getting their cut, they're getting their cut. and I'm not saying it wouldn't rise if it was done by big business, because clearly the shareholders would get it, the government would get it in tax and whatever. It would still rise, but I don't know as it would rise ten thousand percent, and I don't know as people would be killed all the way along the line. No. If you get it from the government, you, you, you'd be pure, a lot more pure. You'd know you'd know what you're getting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Don't leave many deaths. No, exactly. If you look at... It'd be pharmaceutical grade. If you look at, like, the legal drugs that are available, the alcohol and the tobacco... Yeah. 300,000 people die from cigarettes. Uh, 100,000 people die each year from alcohol. And every one of them is a tragedy. But I think around the time of Leah, De- Leah Betts, when she died, there was a, a double spread in the sun of all the kids who died from ecstasy. But that might have been 30 people. All tragedies, absolutely yeah. tragedies, but in comparison with hundred thousand uh, alcohol deaths or three hundred thousand cigarettes deaths, it's not. It's no comparison. Three young is it? people a week die in this country from binge drinking, and then alcohol is also the number one drug in murder and all violent crime and all. Absolutely, crime. yeah. It's, yeah. Ma- it's yeah. amazing because I don't, I don't do speed or anything no more, but I do drink and I do smoke. But I always tell people don't do drugs. I don't even class it as a drug. Yeah. But it is a drug, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's plenty of people who've had domestic murders from, from alcohol. And I drink every night. I drink yeah. daily. 
Not loads, you know, five or six pints, but I do like every night. I mean, back in the day, you see a lot of people do that. They'd finish work, brick laser, and if they'd go to the pub, have five or six pints and go over the tea. Yeah. But nowadays, the pubs are empty. <clears throat> yeah. Well, if there was a there was a friend of mine who used to walk home from from the um, from the nick, and he'd go and he'd have a pint in every pub on the way home. <laughs> you know, so. It'll be all right for you from Wigan, like you. There'll be a lot, a lot of places. <laughs> yeah. So we've had Neil Woods on the podcast, and he's the head of Leap in the UK, which is Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. Yes. And I'm an associate member of that, and they say we join the police to stop the rapists, the murderers, the robbers, drug traffickers, but we were assigned to like infiltrate student groups and you know get them smoking weed, to to make our arrest quotas, and then, then they're criminalised, they can't get jobs. Yeah. So I know there's a guy called, I think his name's Peter Christ, who uh, has done a lot of videos for Leap, and he says Robert Peel started the police out of London to take person A out of society that harms person B. So there's always like a victim, like a murderer, robber, rapist. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not making yeah. excuses for either, I was a trafficker. Yeah. When you like mass incarcerate in America to fill the private prisons, they mass incarcerated low level drug users. The biggest arrest category was weed possession, young yeah. people with weed. Over half a million arrests a year. So when you arrest a kid with weed, who's that kid hurting? Exactly. He's not going to go burgle a house for a bag of weed. It just doesn't work like that with weed. You well, know what I mean? I think, again, if you, if you were to legalize, you, so if you have it illegal, you don't know what you're getting. So you buy ecstasy tablet. Is it ecstasy? Is it ketamine? Is it yeah. what is it? What's inside it? That's what's killing people. You know. So you. So you. Getting uncut. I mean, getting shitty pills. So you might have. You might have had your pills, and I don't know what percentage they were, but they'd have had a certain percentage of MDMA in it, or whatever. And that would be if you knew what Sean was selling. That would be your level. Yeah. You'd know. But you know, there's like a quality control in there to a certain degree. You know what you're getting with the Mitsubishis or with the smile yeah. faces or whatever. But the problem is, is that because it's not controlled, you might need five for a night out or you might need 10 for a night out. And then suddenly someone comes on and says, I've got some good stuff. And you, you take, and you 10, take your five, indeed. your 10, you're overdosed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and that, that is a problem. Whereas at least if you went to Boots and you got 3%, 5%, 10%, whatever, you'd know what you were getting. I mean, you paid 25 quid back in the day for a Mitsubishi or a goodie, but you don't even need one. Yeah. These people don't take five or six. It's just like, it's, it's either shit they're taking, yeah. or it's just basically shit they're taking, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But most people get a tolerance of, of, of it and then stop themselves anyway, yeah. don't they? Um, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not saying that the, by legalising it, you would get rid of all problems. You st- you'd always have problems. What are the mafia going to do to earn money if they're not doing pills? They would still want to earn money. I think it may well people change, take but... have actually got a job, holding a job down and stuff. Yeah. You know, it's just the weekend. Yeah. Same as, like, cocaine now. I mean, you don't get too many people who will do coke unless you've got a job because it's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I had a. Um, you get your weekend warriors where they work through the week to go out and have a few beers and the level radical. Yeah. So I had a, a guy one time. I was. Um, it, it was. It was probably one of the last arrests I had before I went into the cells, and I'd come across this guy, and uh, he had. Um, I think it was. I think it was heroin at the time. Mm. Um, anyway, this this lad. He, he was a young lad, and he had a, a baby seat in the back, and I thought. 
bit out of order. You know, he's obviously... But, you know, I'm judging at that point. It's nothing to do with me, really. But anyway, he gets locked up and away he goes. About 10 years later or so, I'm, I'm, I've been released to try and get promoted. So I've been released back on the streets. Um, and he's my first arrest. And, uh, and I say to him, and I, and I see him, he, he goes to this... Uh, uh, phone box. Uh, oh, I recognise him. So I have a look at him. Turn round. Sure enough, he's the big bag of white powder. Thought he's supplying coke. He's brilliant. Grab hold of him. Bang. He's locked up. And he says, "It's uh, it's not coke, that Dean." And I says, what, what, "What is it?" He says, "It's it's whiz." He says, "I need it. To, I'm working now." He says, "You la- you arrested me last time." And last time I'd, I was the one who arrested him last time. He'd had 10 years clean. Yeah. And then he had this, and it was a bag of amphet because he couldn't do night shifts. Mm. He'd take a rap. And, and, he'd, he'd do his, and he was doing his own. He was buying enough for himself, and it's dead cheap. Or yeah. It, it, was, it had gone dead cheap. So, so he could get a, a, quite a big bag, and it would, it would sort him out. you get an ounce of good speed, pink champagne, 40 quid. You yeah. know what I mean? So that's of truck drivers do it. Yeah, yeah lots of truck drivers. drivers. Yeah. And that doesn't mean say that it's great for you to be driving on it. Don't get me. Wrong. I'm not suggesting that you could still you could have some bravado that allows you to. I don't know. You might think, oh, well, I'll do 36 hours without sleeping or whatever. Not doing criminal stuff, are you? No. no. Um, and if you do crash and you do, we'll deal with it for that. It was in witness that the program started because the heroin use was so bad. Where the doctor started to give the addicts medicinal grade heroin, you know, sourced by the government. And what they found was that John Marks. the shoplifting collapsed, yeah. the burglaries collapsed, the sharing of the dirty needles and the disease transmission collapsed. Yeah. And like you said, these plants are worthless. They can source it for cheap. It's the yeah. black market price that's high, so it saves the taxpayer money. Yeah. If that person's robbing and going to prison, that's tens of thousands of taxpayers' money, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that program got so successful, it was making headline news. And the shops wanted to roll it out across the entire country. And then the Americans found out, and the DEA, mm-hmm. and they contacted Downing Street, and they closed it down. Well, it makes sense. Because yeah. the war on drugs is big business. Yeah. And then it was years later that Portugal picked up. They had over 100,000 heroin users. Yeah. And they said, all right, we're going to try this program and just give it them for free. And the police said, the kids will be doing it. What kind of examples does that set up, you know? There'll be mayhem. The, the users were no longer afraid of talking to the health teams because yeah. they weren't going to get arrested. And Portugal got their users down to less than 50,000. Yeah. I think they gave them in the form of a cigarette, didn't they? Bifters. Yeah. Just girl them. Yeah, so they'd have heroin laced. Well, yeah. They were, they were shooting up as well because Russell Brand went out there and went into some of the rooms. All right. I, I was seeing John Marks for a few years. Not to do with heroin or anything. Yeah. You can make psychiatry. Yeah. So all, all the top economists, Milton Friedman, um, even Richard Branson, the Economist magazine, say that if you make something illegal, it's worthless because weed was called weed because it grew at the sides of roads in America, nobody cared. Yeah. Cocaine, opium, worthless plants. Pablo Escobar could get a kilo of coca paste for $60. <laughs> and it was going for 60000 a kilo because exactly. of drug laws. Yeah. Now, that has been the biggest profit opportunity for criminal organisations in the history of the world. Yeah. 
but what, there's a, there's also the hypocrisy of it with with the Americans, um, with the uh, is it Contra, the Iran Contra, not Iran Contra. Oh the, God, um, don't get me started on conspiracies. Yeah, with with regards to uh, the CIA bringing the cocaine yeah. in to finance the the war in Nicaragua. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's incredible when you start looking at that. I've so, seen that Tom Cruise movie too. <laughs> American made. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one person who was present said that George Bush was bragging that no one would suspect that someone going on TV and saying, well, if we have to fight this war on drugs, will be the guy smuggling it in through the CIA. Yeah. Scary stuff, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this then. Um, what year was it you, you left the police? Uh, about five years ago, something like that. So if law enforcement gets prohibition saying... The purpose of the police is to take person A out of society to having person B. How much do you think it has drifted into just arrest quotas, low-level drug users, and um, revenue generation? From from a cop point of view, there, yeah. was, there were no arrest quotas for for me. Okay, I had my own uh, competition, competitive streak, if you will, to yeah. be to be good. You know, you did get a pat on the back from the side. Well done with that arrest or whatever. And, yeah. I, and I wanted to be to be good, so so I I did have a decent arrest quota. But you weren't you weren't given a quota. In fact, there was many a uh, well, at least two chief constables came down and spoke to us and said, if I find out that any of the sergeants keeping a book on on the numbers, then they'll be wearing shoe leather out. They'd be back on the streets, basically pounding the beat. Um, so it was sort of against that in a way. Um, but like I say, personally, I had I had my own. I yeah. wanted I wanted to be competitive. I used That's to your see own other goal, That it? was my own goals. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I did have quite a few. I'd uh, I'd thirteen in one night, uh, which was uh, was a bizarre night. Um, How did that happen? Then you want to take us through that night? Yeah. So I, so I had a well. It, it, in fact, I had twenty three for the week. So in seven seven no. nights. Um, I've got an, a new young man with me. Well, he's, he was older than me, actually, but he, he was my my new new boy. And I'm taking him out, and we're going out, and we're doing... We're, we're were they all reasonable ones? Well, not just, like, spitting on the street and probably so... Yeah, no, they were all... Well, you tell me if they were reasonable. So <laughs> so on, the, on the, the night in... I mean, some of them were, were, were terrible, um, but they weren't... Yeah, yeah, I couldn't no, do anything yeah. about it. It was yeah, like yeah. I got criticised by the sergeants and stuff, but you you couldn't have changed it. You know what I mean? So so on the on the busy night in question, we get the first call is to kids uh, running over cars. So we've got seven, so seven kids jumping and damaging the car roofs, and you pretty much you can be writing cars off doing that. You yeah. know, you're damaging the roofs and stuff. So they get locked up, seven of them. Plus they can hurt themselves. Can't Absolutely. It takes them to fall off. Yeah, so, so we, we got seven of them. Two of them had done it, but we don't know that. The report was seven of them. We get them put in the, in the bins. They're all subsequently uh, interviewed, bailed, and two of them actually did it. Yeah. Um, so that's seven. We've got to then go back out onto the streets to find the details of the cars that have gone. So we're driving through the town centre um, just to get back to this... Uh, just outside of the town centre. And um, there's two lads laying into this lad on the floor. So we take the two lads off, lock them up, handcuff them, um, and the other fellas, their face full of blood. So we, we've got these kids in, in the car, or men, young men in the car, and they're saying, he's the one who's fucking, he's a drug dealer. He's a drug dealer, he's, he's knocking out shit, blah, blah, blah. 
So we we walk over to him and we say, uh, you know, um, have you anything on you you shouldn't have? <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean? Well, they're saying that you've been dealing drugs. So we search him. Sure enough, he's got um, heroin on him. So he gets a paste and nick. So he's got paste in and he's got nicked. So that's three people. So I'm now up to ten. So we, we log them back into the nick. We've now got to go back and find out, has he thrown any of the heroin anywhere else? Have we got, we've got to yeah. do a, a brief search, haven't we? Kids, kids find it. So, so we go back out there. We're looking for the evidence. Uh, next thing you know, a bottle comes over, smashes next to us. Some drunk has thrown a bottle at us. So we're, <laughs> we're up the street. We lock him up. Lock him up, put him in the back of the car. Uh now there must have been I must have been six in the first one. Sorry, six yeah. kids. I'm getting my numbers wrong. So we we take him. He's now in the back of our car. We go uh, back to take him into the nick. There's two lads kicking hell out of a lad on the floor. So we get those two lads up against the car. We can't put him in the car because we've got someone in the in the car. We've got these two against it, uh, handcuffed, and eventually the lad is saying, "Yeah, lads, don't fucking do it. Don't do it." He's face covered in blood. But he's telling us not to arrest these two lads who, who we've locked up. And we're like, get off, get off. Next thing you know, he ends up coming in. So we had 13 in the, in the week, uh, sorry, in that night. Um, all None of them you could really help what, either, what, could you? What can I do with that, you, you know what I mean? So, but, the, but the two that caused me the big problem that same week, I, I can't remember the other, the other 10 or whatever, but there, there were two others. Um, one of them is... Um, <laughs> He's, so there's a local pub next to Warrington Nick, yeah. uh, Partner Arms, and uh, we get a call that some fella's refusing to pay his bill. So we go there. It's like it's, it's a civil matter, really. It's not for us. But we get there, and there's a guy there, and he's got a broken arm or a broken shoulder or something. He's got a cast here with a bar here, and he's he's wrapped up all here. So he's a proper old-style invalid, yeah. you know what I mean? And we're saying, like, you know, you have to pay your bill. And he's saying, no, I'm not, not paying my bill. <laughs> we're saying, well, is it because you're not happy with the service or is it? What? And there's no excuse. He could have got, there are defences to that, but he wasn't giving any of them. And he's just saying, no, not paying my bill, not paying my bill. So, so I have to go. Like, <laughs> shit or no, 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 there's no nothing dispute. To nothing it. to justify. He was just being an arse and that was it. So we walk him round to the nick, and he's the sergeant's looking at him and going, "What the hell are you doing?" I say, "Sarge, no, what, what am I supposed to do?" So he goes in. Now, every time you arrest someone, you're you have like, oh, we had a number of sergeants. You have got your patrol sergeant, then you've got your custody sergeant. Yeah. And although they work together as a big team, um, if you're locking prisoners up, you're making the custody sergeant have to work. Your patrol sergeant's made up. You've you've kept yeah. it, you know you've got the because you, you're always got to piss sore off the line. Yeah. yeah. So I, so I brought in God knows how many prisoners this week. I'm on fire. Uh, me and my mates are on fire, and um, and we've we've locked this one up. So I'm not popular. Uh, and then we then go out, and I used to like driving the van, and I'm I'm like senior senior man. Yeah. I've got seven years in senior man. So I used to pinch the the, the van keys and drive around. So we get a call of uh, yeah, can we have a a van, please, to take the prisoner in. Right, it must be kicking off then because they're asking for the van. So we rattle up there and we get there and there's a younger Bobby. Again, he's older than me, but but he's uh, younger in service. And uh, and he's locked up this woman in a wheelchair for a domestic. And I'm saying, what are you doing? 
I said, you can't be locking her up. Gonna said, look well, I said, don't. I said, what, what are you doing? He said, well, come round here and da-da-da and look at, you know, she's been an arse and da-da-da. And I says, well, where do you live, love? Right, other side of Warrington. I says, we'll take you home. I says, right, we'll take her home. So we load her up in the back of the van and we take her home and that's that. An hour later... She's wheeled herself back, hasn't she? Oh. She's now smashed the window. Oh. <laughs> so, so I have. So the the original Bobby is asked to go back because he's not done his job right. Although sod's law, it was my fault because I told him to to give her a chance. And um, yeah, so they call me then because he's she had to go and lock it up because he's he's gone for his dinner. He says yeah. uh, Dean went to it and you send him. So I went back. She's the so, <laughs> so I bring her in. She gets to the front of the custody sergeant, and I'm going, Sarge. I'm sorry, it's it's not it's not what it it was cracked up to be. There's nothing I could do. And she went, I'm going to piss myself, and then she just pissed herself, oh. just on purpose, just to just to get us. Oh. And I've just remembered that one of the others, same week. This is this is not not good. So we have side handle buttons. The the really good in training, they look like they're really good. You hit, you make a massive bang on on the the um, the training pads and stuff, and they're, they're very they sound really effective. Um, I've got this young lad with me, uh, and we get a call to um, a house where a man is going to cut his wife's throat from ear to ear. And that's what's going to happen. Um, you know, you better get here quick. I'm going to fucking cut her head off or whatever. So it's like, right, boom. And he's asking me questions and I'm, he's saying like, so, um, so what are we going to do? I said, right, well, I, I haven't got time to tell you exactly what's going on. We're just going to go in. We're going to kick the door in. We're going to lock him up and we'll, we'll just get it. And he's going, so is that under section 18 of, of pace? And, this, and I'm like, I don't know what it's under. Yeah. I, just, I just know we can do it. So we're just going to do it. So we get there. And uh, I said, just follow me and stay behind me and, and whatever. And he was bigger than me, but, you know, I, I've, you don't want him to get hurt, so I'm, yeah. I'm going to sort of take the lead. So as we go in, the door's open, boot the door in, uh, fella's there, and I says, right, show us your hands, show us your hands. And he's not showing his hands. He's got a knife as far as I'm concerned. So show us your hands, show us your hands. No. Hit him as hard as I could on his legs with me, me at. Now, you can count on one hand the number of people I've hit in my service. Yeah. I'm not, not a fighter. Um, one of them is this one. I hit him as hard as I can. Nothing happens. So the momentum of us going or whatever, we jump on top of him, we grab him, we put his hands up his back. He's not that strong, but he's just... He's took this hit like a professional, you know what I mean? So, anyway, locked him up. He's not got a knife on him, but he's locked up for threatening and, and this, and the other... So we take him to the nick, and uh, I've got the same sergeant to to speak to and, and whatever, and I tell him the story, and there's nothing, I've not done anything wrong, I've done everything mm. right, absolutely right, uh, but I've got to explain myself to this this sergeant, and th- this fella's sat on the bench, and he says, it was a good hit, that lad, a good hit. I said, well, it wasn't, it wasn't that good, it didn't, didn't hurt you. And he says, well, that's because I'm on all these painkillers, isn't it? <laughs> I says, what are you on painkillers for? He says, well, I'm disabled. So what are you disabled for? He says, "Well, I'm registered blind, and I've got uh, I've got arthritis in my legs, and I've on these da 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 da." So I've hit a blind man <laughs> who's got arthritis in his legs, and he's registered disabled. But that made you feel brilliant. Uh, didn't it? it wasn't a good week, was it? <laughs> it wasn't a good week. Hmm. <laughs> what were the other stories of you hitting people? Then you said there was a handful. 
Um, yeah, well, I, I mean, there was a, an inspector got headbutted, um, and I, I jumped in on him. And as we're, I mean, it doesn't sound good, this actually, because we'd handcuffed him. <laughs> so we've handcuffed him, he's handcuffed behind his back. He's jumped on him. And, but he's headbutted the inspector. Police brutality. It, it is a bit. <laughs> sounds like it could be. <laughs> so he um, he is he's headbutted the inspector, even though he's handcuffed behind his back. So we grab him, we put him in the van. Now these were the the old Black Mariah types with the, with the yeah. full length. So we've put him halfway in. I've got to get him the full way in. And as I get to go out, he kicks me in the face. Ooh, so, an asshole. So I jumped on him. Um, but you know it wasn't uh, it wasn't significant. But yeah, so he's one. Um, another one was uh, one punched uh, punched or pushed me sergeant over. I hit him on the leg as I'm on the way down. That did nothing. Those mm. side handle buttons weren't so good, really. Mm-hmm. Um, when you say handle, is it just like the black trunction with the thing? You remember like T.J. Hooker? Oh yeah, them them types. So you've got like a, a main bar, yeah, and then you've got a little handle to hold, Holder. and it it looks really good if you do if you're into martial yeah. arts. It's it's good to swing around and stuff. It looks the part, but they were they weren't very good in they weren't effective. Or I like the old school, the old the police ones, like the really old ones. I think they made is like a really hard wood, like mahogany. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were the original. I've got one of those yeah. uh, before my time, but the ones where I got Skull were like... crackers then, aren't they? Yeah, but they were like, they were balsa wood when I got in. Yeah. They were, they were rubbish. <laughs> they really were. Yeah, they were just, they were hopeless. Um, I was going to say then I did have some other story for you. Well, come to me. So what about riot situations? Okay, so, so I did, um, so the first time I... I I'm, I'm young in service. I've got less than two years in, and generally, because we don't know whether we're going to take you on after two years, they can finish you at any point in two years. So they don't tend to give you any more training than is is necessary. So back in the day, you never even got a driving authority until towards the end of that time, um, and you certainly couldn't get specialist courses. So I'm I've just happened to go into the the community police bit to speak to somebody. And this inspector walks in and says, you three, are you PSU trained, public su- police support unit? Um, are you PSU trained? Uh, I said, no. And he says, do you want to be? I says, yeah. And he says, right, well, I want your hat size, your glove size, your boot size, you're going on Monday. So we had to put a quick report in what size we were, whatever. And this inspector then says to me, hey, you've not got two years in. She's better keep my mouth shut. <laughs> so I went on my course with like 18 months in, which, which was good. And you it was perfect. Size gloves. I never thought about glove size before. Yeah. I thought they're all just one, one, one fits all. No, no, know. they're all different sizes, yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. Which was, um, so that was a really good time for me because I got, when you when you get on the, uh, the PSU, um, it, it coincided with the acid house parties mm. back in the day. Uh, so I ended up doing a good summer of overtime. There were every weekend we were we were looking after these thousands of cars that were coming. That was so what uh, year was that? That would have been about eighty nine, ninety. That was us. That was, the best. That was you. That was us. Yeah, in Cheshire. Yeah. So uh, so you might have been offering us the the uh, the, 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 the uh, Coca Cola in the cans and stuff up, like that. Yeah, up on the Burton fields. Wood Burton, Burton, Wood Burton Wood Services. Burton Services. So I was there with you guys yeah, on the wrong side. That's crazy. Golden so, convoy. Yeah, so. Because there were so many cars. It was the middle of the night and there were so many cars. We were laughing, thinking, there's nothing the police can do. We just got the power of the numbers. But we, we did. Um, 
we disrupted you. You brought that's, dogs. That's <laughs> all, that's all we so we had. So I remember Burton Wood. We're at Burton Wood Services, and um, and at that stage, like they would all meet, wouldn't you? You'd all meet yeah. there. And mobile phones were very rare, if if even if they were there. Let's go to pay phones. Um, it was always like you you find out where you're going to go, pages, yeah. things like that. So I remember we've got a serial of twenty one of us, and we're covering the services, and we're looking and coming over from Liverpool. They've, they've come down towards Liverpool from Manchester and they've come past. And as far as the eye can see, two o'clock in the morning, there's no motorway stuff. As far as the eye can see, you can see these cars. And we block the road so they can't get off the Burton Wood. So they go, so they go past and then they come back off the next junction, back on themselves, and they, they, they come over the hill and there's just this mass of cars. And then they stop. They just stop the motorway. And everyone's talking amongst themselves. Yeah. Like walking around in front of them. And that. they come. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's just like dancing. Listen to music. Game directions. That, that, was, uh, dance. that was incredible to see and to think there's 21 of us. Yeah. yeah. But we had, Sometimes um, the police would go like, up on the embankments and drive like, come like, things like that. You'd but, really get trouble though, would you, at Ray Street? Well, we had... We had at um, the very beginning, before... One of the things where we had, it wasn't trouble as such, but we had um, a decent job out of it was um tailor trading in in warrington cultures uh risley sort of area it's called tailor trading and these um the bouncers the dj had got into the place they broke into the uh, yeah. into the the place and we'd surrounded it so we'd caught them in situ uh but the the kids hadn't arrived yet oh so they were waiting to start the so, rave up. so they were going to start it up but we've covered it. We've got it sorted, and we're yeah. all in the riot gear and everything. And and uh, there's a couple of of them on the roof throwing slates at us. So you know, they, yeah. they, it's all right to have the kit, and and we needed it. But it it was like a, a low level thing. But then thousands of kids arrived, and these thousands of kids were trying to get there. And we had the normal bobbies, not in PSU kit, yeah. trying to defend them. And they were getting the odd bottle thrown at them. They whatever they got. Um, this company had given up on a forklift truck. They, they couldn't get it working, so they just left it outside, and these kids got it going and, <laughs> and, drove, and drove it the police. So we had um, God knows how many people. Uh, like I say, there was 21 of us around. That's dangerous. That's not like you can do against a forklift truck, Not it? really. There's not many <laughs> self-defence techniques you can do. So we had um, this inspector was was... Brave or stupid, one or the other, but brave, I'd say. And um, and he, he just, uh, there's a load of kids coming round the corner and I'm covering this car park with a chap called Peter mm. and older sweat, uh, older Bobby know, knows what he's doing. I'm young and I don't know what I'm doing and uh, I can see these people. So I said, Peter, Peter, Peter. And there's like 30, 40 of these kids coming round the corner what the hell are we going to do with all these lot? This inspector says, charge! And that was it. Three of us are chasing these and they all run. It was like, oh my God. Like bravado. Bravado too, yeah. yeah. God knows. I mean, they were good kids You don't generally. want to fight with your neck. No. Like yeah. Well, f- well, we got a tech... Did it say you'd see you get angry with the police is when they'd come and take the fucking DJ stuff to take the decks? Yeah. And the music goes off. And yeah. then you can't dance anymore. Yeah. yeah. Well, we yeah. had what, what was called like a 
it was called a telex or something. So it was like a, an all forces bulletin that went out and he said, um, Merseyside police would uh, have just received 3000 uh, vehicles from Cheshire. They've said they've had that much trouble that they're, they're giving up and coming over to us. <laughs> thanks very much. <laughs> nice one for that. Yeah, thanks for that Cheshire. <laughs> well, yeah, they were generally good. And then, then it started to become uh, more organized and, and you had legendary, um, yeah, legends, and legends, yes. and, and legendary was in a big warehouse and were the speed carting places, and that was a mass organised thing. And there wasn't very much trouble with the ecstasy. It was only when you'd have dealer against dealer trouble. As, as a general rule, it was it was generally okay with the kids. With so, the E, it was well, it was all right. It's only when coke started coming out, really, and you'd have like you'd you'd, um, you'd have you. Street gangsters going in, like your different moss sides and stuff yeah. like that. That's where it all started. The yeah. violence, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And like the doorman f- fighting against one another. Well, that was generally all we saw was the yeah. doorman and the uh, the dealers. You know, sometimes it'd be the dealers or the doorman taxing people, or whatever. So, which clubs were in your area that you. Uh, Pills wise was uh, Legends. That was in Warrington. That was in it? Warrington. We had Mr. Smith's. Mr. Uh, Smith. So Mr. Smith was a good old knight. Hitman and her. We yeah, the Hitman and her. Yeah, yeah, so the Hitman and her. We had uh, people travelling up and down from Birmingham, from London, sometimes from Scotland. We'd jump on coaches after it. Yeah, we'd go straight outside, get an hamburger from the van there, the hamburger van, and it was like proper hamburger, you not know, like where it's red meat. Yeah, get one of them. Yeah, loads of onions on it. Yeah. Then try and score with a woman, and you got like burgers. Hello, look! It's my birthday, give a kiss. Yeah, it's my birthday, give a kiss. Still, is it again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we jump on a random coach at the back and didn't care where it was going, did we? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We had a few. We had the, the occasionally you'd get like. Uh, different areas would end up scrapping, so you'd have coach loads of someone would fall out with someone, but he was part of a team from Yorkshire that had come yeah. over and he had 30 mates with him. So then there's 30 there, but then Warrington has got a lot more people, so you'd end up with little battles there. The head doorman, there's the cops a in. good friend of mine, Andy B. Right. He still does security, but he doesn't do the doors, he's got his own firm now. Yeah. Like. So you've, t- you've talked about a lot of individual crime. I know you've, you've mentioned like the gangs, the drug gangs, the rise of them. What were your interactions with the drug gangs? Uh, I didn't do a lot with the drug gangs as such. I mean, uh, we had, um, I went, there were sort of two drug squads in Cheshire. Warrington itself was very busy, so it sort of had its own drug squad. And then there was a, a more force-wide drug squad. And they'd help us out, um, but they couldn't help us all the time. They had other jobs to do and stuff, so... Um, so like my experiences of, of like drugs was sitting in bushes watching, watching people. Um, there was uh, a time when we we were sat opposite a guy in Runcorn. Uh, we're in a in a van, uh, but it wasn't like a fully kitted out like American van. It was just a van. What borough does it come under? Like Wigan and Warrington. Uh, Warrington's under Cheshire, Cheshire. and then you had uh, Witness Runcorn in, in the northern area Alton. of Cheshire, yeah. Alton. Yeah. So we sort of drifted across, because stuff was happening in Mr Smith's and the world and stuff like that, we'd, we'd sometimes be looking at those people, follow them back to wherever they yeah. were, and this particular time we're, we're looking at this guy in Runcorn, and he had no idea we were there, but the kids would 
be playing football against our van. <laughs> and they'd be leaning on the van and we had to be so quiet and you could you could hear yourself breathing and exactly. you'd think they would definitely hear yeah, you breathing, yeah. you know what I mean? So it was you were more likely to be spotted by so you're undercover a member of the public, play, yeah. The game of footy. You'd be more likely to get spotted by a member of the public than you would the actual. <laughs> you'd feel like oh, hey, fuck off, will you? <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, they got um, they had quite a good undercover team uh, that we brought from outside the area to to sort of buy to do test purchases and, and buy yeah. from from people. Not, but that's that's what's daft about it as well, in a way, because that that operation was about it was like ten weeks. Of of doing dedicated to to this activity, you had team from a different force coming in that were clearly paid. All right, they're on duty anyway. They're getting paid by the the country anyway, but they're getting paid and they're coming over to Cheshire to help us out. Um, it costs money, doesn't it? Well, I suppose and, and that it's was the way around of, as well, though. I suppose the Cheshire police go. Over there, yeah, so yeah, they would. But what I'm saying is that because you get to know undercover cars, exactly, so you, you need new exactly. Ones so you in all the time. But that operation in itself costs a lot of money, doesn't yeah. it? You've got six people being paid to come over. Yeah. Then they they probably had a sergeant who looked after them. They're going in buying and and causing mayhem and stuff. And then we were the backup, so we would be on duty all the time within seconds' notice to be be able to support them if the wheel came off. And all that lot was a big operation, maybe 10 weeks. Then you've got the bust when we had hundreds of people. I think we did something like 13 houses with something like 190 officers. Um, and we were involved in the planning stages for that. We were doing briefings for that and stuff. And it was a really good job from from that perspective. Yeah. Um, then we do the bust. We, we catch them for whatever we've caught them for. And they have to go to court, big job. They all go to Crown Court. They go to jail. You've got all the jail fees. You've got the court fees, the solicitor's fees. For... And it doesn't happen straight away. So it's like a year between you getting busted and actually getting sentenced, isn't it, really? But how much does that cost? You know, for, for ecstasy. That was ecstasy, that. Or one one of the been... things that Neil Woods, the undercover cop, said, if there's an area and I go and arrest the burglars, burglary stops. If I arrest... A rapist in this area, rape stops. If I arrest a drug dealer, violence increases as competitors compete for his turf and the drugs just keeps flowing. Just it doesn't keep, stop anything. No, no, it doesn't. Yeah. Did you did you experience that? Yeah, definitely. As soon as as soon like I say, we, we would have work to do in Warrington and then the say the the force teams would assist us. And then once we've been assisted, they've got to go elsewhere, haven't they? It's yeah. only fur that they cover Chester, they cover Witness, they cover whatever. We can't have them in Warrington all the time, but as soon as we were left with it, there were more people there. So you spent all that taxpayers' money and it's achieved nothing then? Well, you had to... you, well, had you would the, get to know local undercover cops, you'd get to know the cars. But you, but you had, like, um, the, there was dealers who would give information and they, they'd give information on the other dealers. It's why it's a... Get rid of the competition. Well, we were happy when Sammy the Ball was busted because we thought that was our yeah. competition wiped out. Yeah. Police have done us a favour, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Well, the yeah. dealers were doing that, they're just like, they're getting themselves out of shit, aren't they? They've got no loyalty for themselves, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, communicating it to the yeah. cops is another level. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of community, communicating with the cops over here, it's, I mean, a lot of people hate me for this, but a lot of smackheads are renowned for it. Because you fucking turkey, 
for, for the fucking bag of smack because they want to get out straight away mm. and have it, you know what I mean? So they'll just fucking, yeah, 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 I'll But tell. most people do, you know, in my experience, most people will talk. Talk with? To give bits, not not about the mates necessarily, not, you know, like there's a, there's a certain level of loyalty, then there's whatever, but most of them will tell you something. You know, there's more, there's more informants in America now than there are police. I wouldn't be surprised. You get some people saying, if you don't tell on your own crew, you're not telling. So, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's their loyalty, isn't it? That's their level of loyalty. What what they're saying is, but if you're going to do I'm that, right grassing, you're if I'm grassing about a different crew. I was lucky because over 100 people rested with me, and they were all in, most of them in the same jail as Wild Man. They were so scared of Wild Man, only four ended up cooperating. Right. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know when an undercover like um, sort of like gets introduced to a drug gang and he's like he's doing surveillance and that. Can he actually do drugs with them? Um, as far as I'm aware, no. Um, but there may be different levels. So if you turn around and say, "Smoke that," we think you're undercover. Yeah, there might be a situation where at, at a different level to what I was at. That, yeah, that it and, and I, I'm absolutely no idea, but there must be a situation where your life's on the line, and if your life's on the line, you're going to do stuff. Now that might be that that's not allowed, but you've done what you've done. It's you protect your own life, isn't it? So yeah. I can't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it doesn't happen, um, but I know like the level I was at, you clearly weren't. I'm going from it. an American point of view as well, I suppose. I do need to ask that because I've recently watched a series with, you know, the, the cop goes undercover on the Hells Angels. Oh, yeah. yeah, undercover, yeah. It's brilliant. Gangland uncover yeah. or something, yeah. yeah. Is it a true story or is it drama? It's a true story, yeah. based on a true story. He wasn't, is it based in? I don't think he was um, a cop, though, was he? No, Arkansas, I think. Arkansas, I don't, or something I don't, like that. I don't think he was a cop. I think he was, um, he was a CI, a oh, confidential CI? informant. Oh. So I think... He was directed to infiltrate them yeah. to get off his. That must be conviction. scary. That oh one. god, yeah. He's like, you're going to do time, or you're going to go and yeah. That has to do with time. You know, you getting caught being undercover on the Hell's Angels. There was a case in Arizona where a cop, um, he was authorized to get high with the bikers, and he got so addicted to the crystal meth, he robbed the police compound for crystal meth. Got in a shootout with his colleagues and shot two or three of them dead, oh and he God. was up for the death penalty. Wow! Yeah, I can see why. Again, it's that it's that moral boundary. I can see why you would say it's okay to do it. Because they shot to the desert if, you, if, if they think you're, if, you're exactly, do it. and yeah. they and so they get it wrong, but they've shot someone. So what? Don't matter. They killed yeah. someone, but it doesn't matter. There's there's more of them. Your, your list is down. Rather there. than take, um, rather than take. Uh, the wrong person on as part of your team. If you've killed someone who's innocent, they're not bothered necessarily, are they? No, I'm glad England, eliminated the threat. Yeah, I'm glad England people don't have guns. Really, I mean, there's obviously you can get some light, but in general, it's better that not everyone carried a gun. We're down yeah. to the last twenty minutes. If there's any stories that you've missed off your list, oh, there's a few. Yeah, <laughs> we, can, we can go a bit over. No, fine. no, that's fine. I was. Um, so yeah, so we had. Um, so remember the uh, Beverly Hills Cop film. The uh, I can't remember his Who name. Was it? What, was Eddie it? Murphy Eddie was Murphy. it? Oh yeah, Eddie yeah, Murphy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think the um, oh, Sly Stallone's wife at the time. I can't remember her name. Bridget Nielsen. Bridget Nielsen. She was in it, and they had a thing where they would break into somewhere and they were like, two minutes, go." 
and they would, they would have it and they were ruthless to the two minutes and they'd do all the break because they knew the response times to the cops were a certain number of minutes. Um, we had a team in Warrington who did that, uh, which we didn't quite know at the time, but there was uh, a lot of pubs getting done and the, uh, the juke, jukeboxes and the, uh, the bandits were getting bust. And they were getting away and it was like, how the hell are they getting away? And we'd have an idea. We'd, we'd scope out different places. We'd, well, but they kept getting away, kept getting away. And they were having scanners. <coughs> they used to have scanners for the police radios. And when they heard the, the alarm go off, the, the cops would be sent. They would know and they would go. And, uh, and that group, um, I only found out later on when one of them had broke the leg. And I ended up sitting with him all night looking after him. He was, he was under arrest. He had a broken leg. And he told us what had gone, and he had earned forty thousand that year Kill. from doing these things. He personally had earned forty thousand, and that was at a time when I was on thirteen thousand. Wow! So that was a lot. But we ended up getting them not by we knew they were the ones we were after, and how we got them was we targeted them for traffic offences. Um, so anything that they did wrong that was traffic offences. Um, we would we would lock them up. We would do them for speeding. We'd do we'd them for what, them whatever that they did wrong. We would do them for, and then they built up the points. They got the ban. They drove whilst disqualified. They got jail for disqualified, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what they got the jail for. It wasn't for the actual wow. burglaries, but we got them on that one. It's like that gangster. He got done for tax evasion. He killed hundreds of people, but he got done for tax evasion. They did him for tax evasion. Yeah, yeah, it's the ways and uh, ways of getting around it, isn't it? Yeah, and don't don't piss off the cops because they can they can find <laughs> a way. You know? But there was another one. Uh, you know, talk about people talking. Yeah. In in the, and why would somebody talk to the cops? They wouldn't talk to the cops. And um, and I ended up having this guy, and it was when the Strange Ways riots had happened, and so the the police cells were being used uh, as as prisons, if you will, or remand prisons. So this guy who was part of that crew had um, been involved in in a burglary, and he pushed these people down the cellar or something, and he'd, he'd done something wrong, and it did acc- accidentally, whatever. But it was it was their own fault. But he, they broke the, her ankle. Sounds like Alan Lord. <laughs> so he um, He's involved in strange ways. Yeah. He got uh, this lad comes up to me and he said, uh, "Hi, mate. How are you doing?" Because you do know them, you know them. They're, yeah, they're, they're not your mates, but you, you've come across them. You might as well be nice until such time as you don't have to be. But you'd be, how are you doing? And he says, how are you doing? Says, what, what are you in for now? Some burglary or something. And I said, uh, oh, and have you done it? And I'm like locking him up and walking yeah. away. And he says, no, no, I've not. And I said, oh, I, yeah. And I just lock him. And he said, no, 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 yeah. Hey, they're saying... I've done this and they've identified me. But how can they have identified me when I was wearing a mask? <laughs> when whoever it was was wearing a mask. <laughs> <laughs> he crashed himself. <laughs> so, yeah, so he, uh, he he ended up getting off with it in the end. Um, That's funny, that It was funny. But he, 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 he ended up getting off with it because, mm-hmm. although that job was real and it had definitely happened, um... By the time he'd got to court, the victim's husband had made a false claim for insurance. Oh, and, God. And therefore, when they got him in the dock, they said, so are you an honest man? Yeah, yeah. So you wouldn't lie? No, no. But yeah. Tore him to bits. And, they just, and his case and the case collapsed. <laughs> well, that was a bit of a shame. Well, there was um, another one I wanted to say. Uh, 
was to do with I was I was involved in the uh, method of entry training, uh, putting doors in. And over the times when I've been on these like divisional drug squads, whatever, we smashed a load of doors. Yeah, uh, I think we did ninety six in a year. Uh, ninety two of them were successful. They found we found stuff. Um, and the four that weren't, the people were mo- they'd moved out or not moved out of the place, but they weren't there that night, so they took the gear with them basically. So there, there was these brand new plastic ones are the best. They with the plastic panels, you've got to push the middle in. Oh, in the middle, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, they have composite ones which are even better or harder yeah. to get in, but even they can be broken too because you need to locksmiths need to get in them, don't they? So, yeah. so we we generally found out how to do it and and we'd do stuff. This particular time, um, I'm tactical advisor for this thing. I'm on call, so I get called out to this job. And there's a there's a, an inspector there who I'd joined reasonably close to, and he was a great lad. Um, mo- a lot of people are a bit worried about doing something. It's, it's harder, to, it's easier to do nothing than do something. Um, so, how did he get up the ranks so quick? Um, well, I mean, it, this this was sort of uh, twenty years in, so, he, he's, oh, so he's, he's, he's got up. He, yeah. he got he got up higher than me, and he's a good he is a good lad. Um, but so I turn up at this job. Hey, mate, how are you doing? Blah blah blah. Right, this is the score. He's inside an upper building. He's threatening to harm himself. Okay, right, this is the situation then. Um, so what tactics have we got? Well, he's got a noose round the the the, the door to the place, and he's potentially going to kill himself. So we've got someone in the the house opposite watching him mm-hmm. and uh so what what are your options there if you smash the door in obviously it's going to be a, a bit of a problem because he's behind the door and so i said uh, well we could go through the wall and he says what do you mean you can go through the wall i said yeah we, we've done techniques we can go through the wall if you want <laughs> well we'd never Imagine done that. we'd never uh, done this before um, and he's like come on then and he's like quite excited to be going through the wall. <laughs> this is going to be impressive. So I says, right. I says, that. so we got the proper trained people up, um, and I'm one of them. And uh, and yeah, we smash through this because he's he's gonna he's got the noose around his neck, so we don't know when he's gonna do it. But he's gonna do it. But he's gonna do it. He's barricaded the uh, the door. He's got all this lot, and and he'd moved the bed out to barricade the door, leaving the wall that we were going through all unoccupied. <laughs> and we smash through this door uh, through this wall. Sorry. And the face on this kid's face as he's like, oh, my God, they've got through the wall. You wouldn't expect that. You wouldn't oh, expect that, would you? It was fantastic. It was really, was good. <laughs> there were some really, really good times there. But, I'd have to go borrow a forklift, I think. It saves a hell of a lot of messing around. Just go through the forklift. Yeah. People robbing them, them machines, weren't they, with forklift trucks? The, the cash machines, yeah. Yeah, yeah there was a, there was a, a state of... Uh, of just just before I joined and and just after I joined, they were they were doing the ram raids, um, but obviously most of the shops got protected with barriers at some point or the decent the decent ones in. Or they did the ink thing. Yeah. So there was the case in Warrington then, of the family that had arranged the marriage for the daughter and she didn't agree to it and she ended up missing and then dead. What do you know about that case? I don't. I don't know that much. Shafila Ahmed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, b- I believe it was classed as an honour killing, or the suspicion was an honour killing. Honour killing. Um, so I believe. I mean, this is you know this is what I've read in the newspaper as well. Mm. I wasn't actually on that investigation. I did get 
words of advice on it, um, as in I got sort of in trouble for it. Yeah. Because my uh, team were on duty when uh, we the one of one of the reports of her going missing had happened, and we sent a patrol uh, to her, and it was like some like. I don't know, nine o'clock at night or something. And as they were on the way, they stopped somebody and locked up. So they got tied up with something. So it was nothing they couldn't avoid. Yeah. And, didn't cover but the they actual... never got there at 10. And then uh. the next block came on. They went out. Uh, they got there 20 minutes later or whatever. And at that time, she was found safe and well. So there wasn't anything we'd done wrong as such. No. It was a normal missing from home. She was still alive. At that point, yeah, there was no yeah. suggestion anything untoward was going to happen, but I think there was some suggestion that she'd tried to drink bleach to avoid going for this marriage in Pakistan, oh, possibly. Mm. Um, and then ultimately... It's extreme, that like, isn't it? Ultimately she was killed, but... What was the method they killed her? I don't know. She was. I think she was found in Lancashire by a, a, a river... Uh, but like I say, I wasn't involved in that that one as such. Because wasn't it a sister got in trouble with the police, and then a sister was the one who said, "This is what's actually happened." Because the parents had got away with it, hadn't they, for a bit? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I think that was the case. But um, yeah, that's that's a that's a rumor. I'm not. I can't. Okay. I can't confirm that because yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know that Sean, Unfortunately, did you come across much of that then on killings? Uh, no, that was the uh, the first one that I'm aware of. Um, what about murders in general? There were a few murders. Um, I, I remember charging a, a young lad with murder, and um, his reply to charge was no reply or whatever. You know, when you do the official reply, but just after I've I've charged him, um, he shouts to his brother down the cells and says, "Yeah, mate, whatever his name was." He said, "Yeah." Have you heard this? They're charging me with murder. Murder! Can you believe it? Right? And I'm thinking, this guy has definitely not done it. He's so flippant with regards to this, it's going to... And he had. He'd done it. He'd killed this fella. But he he was like, yeah, they're charging me with murder. Look at me. How good am I? So you charged him with that? I was the custody sergeant. So what did you know? What was the information you got to charge him with murder? You get information as a custody sergeant. You get you get relayed this, the circumstances, and that then is taken to CPS at that level. Uh, CPS make a decision based on that, and you come back and they say CPS have authorised the charge on this. So that's the information you get. Is is the detective or the team of detectives? Very rarely is going to be one detective. It's going to be a team of detectives yeah. have gone to a level that is very high in the CPS. And they've said, this is our evidence. This is what these people have said. This is what we're saying. What do you think? And then the CPS person will have a look at it and say, based on that, we think there's sufficient evidence to charge. So it's not you as the custody side who will actually come up with the Not charge. on these more serious cases. The, the the minor cases, it will be down to I mean, the sergeant to, to make a decision. Is there anything you can go up to without asking for permission, like Section 18 with intent and stuff like that? No, they they tended to be. And in the old days, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. old days, it was, it was down to the custody sergeant full stop. And then you would run more... Uh, we, we'd run cases that were more, this person said this, this person said this, let's let the court decide. Yeah. More of a, a balance of probabilities, but let the court decide, and they have to go beyond reasonable doubt. But we would 
say, well, these people are saying this, these people are saying, do we believe them or do we not? And we'd potentially go that way. But now, it, 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 when they got to more serious, they, they then took it out of our hands to a certain degree and went with more educated people, if you will. Um, so how old was that kid? Who had he murdered and how? I don't know his name. Mm. Um, I think it was... Just how old he is, not his name. He was about, um, he was about 17 or something. About 17? Yeah, and I think they'd, they'd, they'd took, set upon this guy um, and stabbed him multiple times as a group. Did, did st- a group had stabbed a guy multiple times. So was it over drug, drugs or something? No, I think they were... They were well. They probably had a bit of drugs, but I think yeah. they were more like drunks and stuff like that. It was we more like just somebody no, just more just of an argument between shit. between friends and stuff. Right. Okay. I had another one where where a guy uh, again I, I couldn't tell you his name because you deal with that many. Yeah. That it, even though these are important in that there aren't that many murderers, mm-hmm. you still as soon as that job's finished, you're on to the next one. Yeah. So uh, there was a guy, and I felt sorry for him, but I'd. Um, I brought this 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 guy was brought in before me, and I've I've done whatever I've needed to do, and then I go and and talk to him, um, and uh, I'm wait I'm doing another job. I'm waiting to see the sergeant to to get my job progressed. Uh, so I'm I'm filling out me description forms of my prisoner, and this guy's in in the cells, and he's saying uh, blah 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 whatever, and just chatting to him in general, and he says. Uh, I said, what are you in for? And he says, it, murder. And he was on remand for murder, and he seemed like a really nice fella. Because <laughs> you imagine them, all murderers are going to be big, hefty fellas with scars on their faces and stuff like that. And they're not. A lot of them are just, just normal. normal guys. Like but this guy had a set, a set up on this, this fella with a, a group of them had set up on him, and he said, one moment of madness and I've ruined my life. So a group had attacked him. No, he he and his friends had, oh, a, had part, attacked another friend, another friend, another friend. Yeah. Bloody hell! It's crazy. Drug, they were on drugs or were they? Alcohol, alcohol. alcohol. Yeah, it was one of them where this one was chatting shit. Oh, shut up, will you? Shut up, will you? And then someone had hit him, and they'd all hit him. And then someone had stabbed him, and they'd all stabbed him. There's five minutes of stupidness, and that's it. So yeah. His life's gone. What about like any serial rapists or serial killers? Because that's rare, isn't it? Uh, yeah, serial. Yeah, there's not much in uh, in Cheshire. We, I think we had um, there was there was one at the hospital where I think a couple of nurses got raped. Really? Um, but that was very long time ago, and I I got involved in it uh, on the house to house teams. So when you have a murder, you you tend to have um, a team that goes round knocking on all the neighbours' houses. What do you know about this? What do you know about that? If someone's gone missing, you might start house to house on that. Yeah, and it's literally like, but and you you don't know who you've got. So so if you've got like a, a body that's been found, any any of the houses around that area, you know, like in a, it might be a beauty spot that's happened, um, and uh, and you you would canvas all around that area. Knocking on all the houses, can you speak to them? You might catch the person. You might it might be that they live there, um, or they might know a little bit, or they might have seen something. And those little bits of information they get put into the home's computer, and then that if that vehicle has turned up a couple of times, ah, that's on that, and the computer will work it out and find it's what it's what they were missing in the Yorkshire Ripper case because uh. he'd been. <coughs> he'd been stopped a few times, he'd been interviewed a few times, but no force had put it all together because 
if you don't know, if it's not on computer, I might interview you today, but I don't tell me, mate, I've interviewed you. And then he interviews you tomorrow. And we, yeah. we don't speak to each other because you've, you've not been significant to us. So how did the Yorkshire Ripper get caught then, eventually? I think eventually they, they, had, they had a card system and eventually I think he was put, put in the frame for that. Uh, eventually they did link the two, three, four incidents together. Did they pull you guys in because they needed extra resources to deal with the Shipman case? Uh, not for me, no. no. Like I say, I wasn't on... I did CID for six months. Um, it was interesting, but in in a lot of ways, it was it was the type of stuff you got. The morning after, the night before, you went in and you dealt with the prisoners that were too drunk to be dealt with the night before. Yeah. So that involved you reading through the statements, seeing what evidence was missing, seeing what was happening. You go and interviewing people... And you don't necessarily know what the saying is true or it's not true because you weren't there. So you're going off what you've got. And with the best will in the world, sometimes the Bobby doesn't include everything that they've seen. When you've locked up yourself, if someone comes up with a plausible argument and you go, hang on a minute, I was there, I know what you said or you didn't say, it's a lot easier. So I never liked interviewing people from the morning after. Also, the morning after, was. Don't, aren't they already lawyered up by then? They can be, not always. Not always. Um, yeah, solicitors are, are uh, they can be a challenge. Oh, um, they tell you to say there's no comment. Most until, of the time it is, yeah. The, yeah. That's what they say. But it's not always the best thing to say, no comment. Not not just from a cop point of view, it's just not always the best thing to say. If, if the evidence is there and you've not volunteered it at the beginning, you, yeah. don't, you don't look good. But that's only if you get caught with it. If you've obviously not been caught with it, say no comment. You don't give any other information away. So there's a lot of videos on YouTube saying never speak to the police. So you would disagree with that then? I think for some... Well, you can't get a caution if you don't speak to the police. You can rule yourself out of that. Yeah. So there are certain circumstances. If you're, if you're low level and you've never been in trouble before, not speaking to the police would rule you out of a caution. And a caution is obviously a chance. So there would be times when it's good to speak to the police. I see. Um, like in America, if you are the first to speak to the police, you get the deal. Yeah. Mm. So there is an argument to say you should speak to the police. Well, then look at like Brendan Dassey, if you watch Making a Murderer. Oh, and it's Sean Avery, is it? Or really Stephen sad, Avery. Yeah. yeah if exactly. he had not said anything, he wouldn't be in prison. Yeah. That's all he had was his own testimony. Oh, uh, no. And it's incredible. Yeah. Some of the stuff in America is incredible. It seems like it's just wrong, doesn't it? Some of it. Like, like you can have three at- appeals. You can then be found proven to be innocent, but you won't get that fourth appeal. So you still sit in there. Yeah, I just watched that movie Just Mercy as well. That had me in bloody tears. It's horrible. The guy yeah. on death row is innocent. Yeah. Um, so is there anything else left on the on the stories list? Let's um, see. Likes to get his money swift, doesn't he? Got to be up uh, at least two hours left. If you enjoyed this video, please subscribe to the channel. Subscription box is in the bottom right-hand corner. We appreciate all of your questions and comments and feedback. We've interviewed multiple ex-police now. We've got an ex-police playlist. If you want to see all the others, there's um, Neil Woods, uh, Maggie Oliver, Prince Andrews, ex-Royal Protection Officer, Paul Page... Um, we've got two, we've got at least two more lined up as well. So, big, big, um, big amount of, of, of police. 
Is there anything you'd like to say in, in closing then? No, I've um, I've said everything. I want, well, uh, whatever you want to say, really. And we support fine. Prince Andrew fully. <laughs> I watched The Crown. My mum's in it. Only a little bit apart, though. Um, we huge thank you to all the people who've donated to the channel, PayPal, Patreon, Just Giving, uh, Subscribe, Star. The Just Giving link, I didn't realise it's been down since November. That is, is in the process of being fixed. If you want to watch more True Crime podcasts, just go in the description box below this video, all our socials and Wildman's playlist, dozens and dozens of, of Wildman videos. And if you're looking for a t Wildman t-shirt, go to everpress.com. That's down in the description box as well. So, cheers from Liverpool. Nice all one, right. Dean. Let's give you a hug, man. Brilliant. Hey, what's this? Cheers. What's this prison handshake? Oh, well, the Arizona's lovely. That, that, and then bonkers. Hey, there yeah, you go. Yeah. I'll give you a hug. Hey. <laughs>